Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Happy birthday, Doug Marone. 55 years old, double nickels. And happy football season to everyone else. Jaguars out there for training camp practice number one this morning. And, well, we are still here. <laughs> it started early. Good to see some of the fans out there. Actually got a nice day for it. Uh, no rain, even though we had a bunch of rain yesterday. Could see some rain this afternoon. So the timing was tremendous. A little cloud cover. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better start from a player's perspective, I don't think, for training camp 2019. No different news on Yannick Ngakwe other than Doug Marone has some comments and some interesting ones we'll get into in just a bit. Miles Jack not here at the start of training camp practice number one. And, well, that's okay. He just needs to feel better. Started uh, throwing up this morning at the team hotel. Wanted to come anyway. Doug Marone said, uh-uh, not happening. Telvin Smith on that reserve retired list yesterday we shared with everybody. Well, Doug Marone says he still has not talked to Telvin Smith. I find that a bit surprising, but uh, that's the narrative that has uh, continued to develop for the last six months, really, ever since we found out about the news that uh, Telvin Smith was not going to play in 2019. And right now, I guess, now that he's on the reserve uh, retired list, I don't really know if it has much of an impact. I think it's just a side note that's pretty interesting. Linebacker position, interesting today. Telvin Smith news there. Miles Jack news I just gave you, and Jake Ryan suffers a setback in his recovery from an ACL, which would have really added a bunch of depth at the middle spot, uh, potentially, for uh, Miles Jack and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So some linebacker news, Nick Foles on the podium, uh, and here we go, football season 2019 underway. Brent Martin, Austin Lane from Jags headquarters, uh, we're hanging out here, we'll have Jaguars All Access coming up tonight here from the stadium at uh, 7 o'clock on Fox 30, and later tonight, I will be back in studio on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30 for first and 10 training camp every day at training camp Monday through Friday. We will have a 15-minute recap of the day at Jags headquarters. How are you doing, Austin? You look like you went home, got a shower, and now you're back fresh, ready to go. Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. You know? Yeah, your mic's not on, so we'll have to work on that. Uh, we will get you all settled in. Uh, eventually, maybe. So I'll continue to talk until then. Uh, while we mess around with that and play some engineering, uh, the Yannick Ngakwe situation uh, that we talked about at length yesterday is, I would say, status quo. Uh, interesting thoughts out there today on the practice field, I think, because many people believe around here, and I think Doug Marone's comments, which you'll hear a little bit later on in the show, kind of support this argument that by August 5th or 6th, he will be here. Uh, because of that unrestricted versus restricted tag, and that's when he has to get here. I think it's 30 days before the start of the regular season. So I think that's why people believe that by that time, uh, and Yannick Ngakwe will be here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see if it plays out that way, but it certainly was the sentiment coming out of here uh, on day one of training camp. That's really the only update. Uh, I, what I said yesterday I think still holds true. These two sides are at a stalemate. There's not a lot of conversation going back and forth. I think there's a bit more angst if, instead of anything else with both of these sides. So that's something to keep in mind as we go along. Can that get figured out? Absolutely. You know, it gets figured out by another number or an added zero or an added year. or <laughs> That's how it gets figured out eventually. 
eventually along the way, but uh, we'll see how that part shakes out, and we'll hear from Doug Marone on that front a little bit later. But other than that, it was pretty quiet. Uh, it was a, it was about a 30-second comment from Doug Marone. He's been in touch with Yannick Ngakwe. He thinks he'll be here, be a big part of this football team. There was not a lot of concern to say, oh, we might be without him all year long. So uh, I think that part at least should make Jags fans feel good, even though this might play out dramatically and sometimes be a little bit uh, uh, noisy on both sides of, or clunky on both sides, not getting done in a smooth manner. Yeah, and we're talking about Yannick Ngakwe, and it's, I, I had an interview with uh, Marcel Darius today, and we'll, we'll play that later on in the show. Um, that's one of the things I asked him. You know, like what is it like? not having him here now, knowing that he's holding on. I mean, is that one of those things where is it a distraction or do you guys just kind of, you know, kind of put your blinders on and keep going? And, um, you know, I think he had a really great answer. But from the perspective of Yannick's going to be here, I mean, that's that's great news. I mean, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, you know, this absolutely. is still, uh, we're still talking about millions and millions of dollars here and there should be a difference. So from that perspective, um, the, the fact that there are talks and that there is, you know, optimism, it's a good sign. But, Listen, deals have fallen through before. So before we get all excited and say, "Oh yeah, it's you know he he'll be here in in a, in a couple of days' time," um, I ask everybody to just pump your brakes a little bit because sometimes these contracts can get sticky. Absolutely. All right. So you were out there today. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, the the normal that that really doesn't translate to radio. It was an energetic, good practice. All those things. Listen, they of course, were, it was, it's the it's the first practice training camp. Let's cliche it you up. All be, we want yeah. and say, hey, they had fun getting back out there. You could kind of tell it was pretty warm for them at times, but still, again, I think overall, pretty nice morning uh, to start training camp in Jacksonville, Florida, when nice you're starting morning, in yeah. July 25th. Uh, you know, I did notice. Uh, you know, we were watching those defensive guys. You talked to Marcel Darius. I I found it interesting. And Doug Marone kind of said this. He was going to gradually build this camp. They weren't just going, bam. And, and a little bit of that was, uh, I think, by the schedule, you could you could believe Doug on that. Because 8.40 is when they went out on the field. They're usually scheduled to about 11.40. They were done about 11.05, 11.10. Yeah. And uh, once they all wished Doug Marone a happy birthday, they didn't even have to run sprints. Well, and that was that was kind of the funny <laughs> thing. So what, what I heard happened was is that Doug Marone kind of stood – he basically lined everybody up, like they're going to yes. run gassers or something like that. Doug Marone stood in the middle of the field and asked Brandon Linder to come talk to him. And from my indication, Doug Marone asked him a question, and he basically said, why is this day special today? And uh, Brandon Linder said, because it's your birthday. And that was the correct answer. That was the answer that Coach Marone was looking for. So he basically sh- shut down the conditioning, sent everybody inside, and said, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, thank you, you know, thanks to Brandon Linder knowing it was Doug Marone's birthday. Uh, like nobody had to run conditioning after, but it was funny because as Doug was leaving the field, he even said he's like, nobody wished me happy birthday when they came on the field today, so I was going to test everybody just to make sure they know what time it was. And then Brandon Linder knew, and they got eye conditioning. They, uh, he's in a good mood, man. Doug he's in a good mood. I mean, he yeah. started the morning uh, at his podium with a birthday uh, cupcake, okay, uh, or muffin. I made it, maybe it was a cupcake. Treat yourself. Yeah, yeah, it was made a cupcake. Treat and, yourself. Uh, and. So uh, he said he wasn't eating it because he's on a diet. Everybody starts the year trying to get on a diet, sure. myself included. Yeah. And I walked into the field with him. Actually, we were just talking high school football. His son plays for Bulls, and we're, <laughs> we're talking a lot about high school football. Mm-hmm. So he was loose and ready to go. And uh, whether it was Jalen Ramsey's situation yesterday that some people took offense to, even though uh, many of us thought it was, was fine and great and fun and creative, uh, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe's situation, whether it's the Telvin Smith situation, whether it's the pressure of this team needs to win, yeah. this franchise needs to win, this staff needs to win uh, this year. 
uh, didn't seem to bother Doug Marone on day number one. You could sense that. It was kind of a loose group out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of, uh, you know, Doug Marone said it, but you, it was a great call on your part where he's, I guess he's trying to taper it up a little bit. You know, like he's not trying to come out 100 miles per hour. He's gradually trying to increase the workload. And that was evident in this training camp, you know. I mean, especially from a team that, you know, for all accounts, underperformed last year going 5-11 and 11, um, some people could think like oh well they got to come out the first day of training camp and just hit the ground running you know because there's a lot of redemption to be had here uh, and you have to set the tempo early and yeah I'll be honest I mean the, the coaches were getting after the players like they should um, in the individual which I was watching from the defensive line standpoint uh, they were getting after it a lot of coaching going on a lot of yelling and screaming which seems to happen on the d- defensive line drills uh, that's just a thing but uh, but you, you can also kind of tell that they're gradually going to work their way up. You know, I mean, the the plan is to go to the Super Bowl, but they're not going to the Super Bowl tomorrow. Let's be <laughs> yes. honest. You know, so um, I'm I'm all for this. You know, I'm uh, I'm all for gradually increasing the workload, gradually increasing the intensity, and working the players up, because especially you're going to depend on some younger guys this year. You know, some first year players, some second year players. Um, even we're talking about on defense and everything, and it's hard enough being a rookie or even a second year guy and getting acquainted with everything. Everything, but to, to go 100 miles per hour right off the bat, and that's something Marcel Darius talks about too later in the interview, um, it can kind of hinder you a little bit. So I, I do like the preparation. I do like what Marone's bringing on the table, and I'm very optimistic. About I don't it. think I ever finished my thought, too, because I brought up Marcel Darius's name, and you will have a discussion with him later yeah. on. But when I was saying easing into camp, he didn't seem to. I mean, no, we were watching him pretty yeah. close, and I'm telling you what, man, he was, he was 110 miles an hour right out of the gates. And for a nine-year veteran, I actually was a little surprised at that. I, I'm not questioning his, his work ethic and no. how hard he practices. I'm just saying, wow, man, first hour of the, of the camp, he was... He looked like it was, you know, mid-season, which might speak to the shape he's in, might yeah. speak to his mentality a little bit, but probably a really good example for the rest of that D-line, some of these young guys that a vet who's made a ton of money in this league and yeah. had success in this league is coming out of the gates firing. He, he looked better than I've ever, you know, I mean, granted, I haven't watched a lot of his practices the past couple of years, but that guy looks fast, man. He, he he looks like he's in his prime right now, not, not going on his ninth year of NFL football, and it was amazing, his work ethic, like we saw an individual, but even if you watched that, to practice, he was on the bike, biking for 15 minutes, you know, because I had the interview set up with him. I had to wait for him to finish, which I was perfectly fine doing, man, if you have to get should've a jump on the bike with him. I, I, I should have done that now, looking back on it, but, you know, I'm still <laughs> coming off my bike, you know, it's kind of the rest of the week, so we're, we're going to keep that heart rate down, but um, it's just a testament to what kind of, I think, leader he's trying to be here, too. I mean, getting that extra work in after practice on the very first day of training camp, uh, it was a cool thing to see. Because of the position he plays, the splash or lack thereof splash from that position. I don't think we talk about Marcel Darius enough. In this building, they talk about Marcel Darius quite a bit. The guy's a fantastic athlete. They don't make a lot of people like him. He's got a quick get-off, and he's still got a lot going and a lot in the tank. And, well, he was good enough to the organization, I guess you could say, that he restructured that deal, saved the organization $5 bucks. And I think the word you always hear now, if you talk to Marcel Darius the last couple years, he's happy. He likes playing for Doug Marone. He likes Jacksonville. He likes being here, and he's in a good place mentally, which, uh, as you know, as a as an athlete, uh, probably always puts you in a good, confident spot uh, to be in, especially when you're playing this game. Nick Foles, what kind of impact can he have? Uh, a little bit of rust shaking off uh, here today, as expected. What did uh, Nick Foles have to say? How did he look? Let's get into the offensive side of the ball a little bit later on. Mark Richt will join us. Plus, Stuart Weber was down at Florida Gators Media Day. So some college talk, but mainly Jacksonville Jaguars on ESPN 690 today. Hey, welcome back to Jags headquarters here. Opening day at training camp 2019. Uh, The news of the day, Miles Jack Sick did not participate 
Uh, he was at the team hotel, and, and that happened uh, early this morning. Wanted to uh, practice, according to Doug Marone, but they said, no, uh, don't do it. So, uh, you know, they ran uh, pretty deep at the linebacker spot as they continue to find a replacement for Telvin Smith. Miles Jack is the guy in the middle, but once again, Jake Ryan had a step back this summer in his recovery from the ACL. Nothing that will need surgery or anything like that, but still, that's uh, unfortunate for him. ACL is tough to come back from. And uh, now it looks like it might be a while before uh, he does come back for the Jacksonville Jaguars and provide some depth there. Remember, the Jags signed a bunch of linebackers in this offseason, yes. especially right around the news of Telvin Smith. So they do have a lot of guys to play. We just don't really know who will emerge from that group. And I think a lot of people are rooting for the young guy, Quincy Williams, out of Murray State, on the weak side to be able to take Telvin's place. He was the second pick. Uh, that the Jags had in the third round, not the second pick of the third round, but Jags had two selections in the third round. Some people thought they reached it. Right now, it looks like a brilliant pick because they at least they have somebody really, to replace Donovan Smith. You know, now who knows how good he is, but at least right now it looks like the fact they got a guy uh, and and didn't wait and not pick a, a weak side linebacker. It sure looks good uh, from from that standpoint. Nothing new on the Ngakwe front, and then really the story now becomes for this entire football season. And it's not like it just started now. But I do feel like we've put it to rest for a while, and that is the Nick Foles talk. Nick Foles was a conversation here in Jacksonville from the day last season ended. And it was pretty apparent that Blake Bortles, they were going to move on. Uh, There was all sorts of momentum for that. And then they did move on. And Nick Foles was the top guy on the market, and there really weren't a lot of players for Nick Foles. There was not a lot of competition. The Jags were... Seemingly, the only team that was chasing Nick Foles. They signed him to a four-year deal worth $88 million, could reach $100 million. Uh, I think it's close to $50 million guaranteed. Uh, so they have now invested in the Super Bowl MVP from a couple of years ago to play the quarterback position. If you missed any of the offseason, the reviews on Nick Foles are all about leadership. You know, it's about the clutch play, but it's all about leadership. It's all about how guys relate, how guys respect, and... That is something that was needed around here from that position. He said something today, and this is how much this guy's respected, and it can't help but think of the last guy. And you know me, I'll raise my hand as a big Blake Bortles supporter over the years. But he said this is only the second time he's thrown since minicamp. I was surprised to hear that. And he likes to get away from it. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if Blake Bortles left here in middle of June Got here July 25th and said it was the second time he's thrown. Well, I mean, he, he had to change his mechanics a little bit, though. I think he was. Oh no, absolutely. Well. I'm just but, saying. No, I'm, I'm, just, mean, I'm not criticizing well, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm just saying the dynamic has changed around here where that's yeah. okay. Nobody's gonna be like, oh my gosh, he hasn't no, thrown, I, he hasn't been working, he hasn't been doing this. I no, this guy you. went and took a break. Yeah, and I've, he comes back and he's thrown just one time and he said it was to his wife but, and his brother-in-law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm be honest though. I heard that. I was like, I kind of went hmm a little bit because. And listen, uh, as far as the quarterback's position is concerned, I, I played it in eighth grade, and that was about it, so I, I don't know too much. But, I mean, to me, it would be like a three-point shoot or something where, yeah, you've you've made you know over a million passes. It's muscle memory, but I feel like you still got to kind of, you know, 
keep that craft maintained, whether it's shooting a three-pointer or just throwing passes. Uh, you know, and then the fact that Foles kind of takes the approach where he doesn't really throw at all, like he said, the second time he's thrown, uh, or he's only thrown two times in the offseason, that, that, that was surprising to me, because I, I figured you see some of these quarterbacks, uh, you know, on Instagram and Twitter, like, you know, Brady does his thing where he's throwing balls to some of the players, um, you know, like in Barbados, wherever they're vacationing, yeah. but, you know, they're, they're still training and everything, so... From that perspective, it was a little, um, I don't want to say I was a little taken back by it, because if this is what he's always done, hey, it's paying dividends for him, so by all means, keep doing your thing. But I was surprised to hear that. I thought about a couple of things. One, again, I, I already said it, it, it shows the respect level that people have. You go win a Super Bowl, you win Super Bowl MVP, you come up clutch moments, and yeah. now you're a 30-year-old quarterback. You've done this a little bit. You've kind of, I don't want to say figured it out, because you probably never figure out the NFL in that position, but you figure out routine. And so you know what works for you. And I, I think people know that, respect that. That's part of it. That's part of the game. That's what we, we hear all the time, that cliche of learning to be a pro for these young guys. Well, Nick Foles has figured that part out. But the fact that he's won and the resume says what it says, I think allows people to be like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. Guy knows how to throw a football, and he's done it well in, in big moments. Uh, we don't care if you throw in June, July. Just make sure you're throwing in February. <laughs> right? <laughs> One of those things. But I thought that part was um, – I, I thought from that angle the respect level was there there's a lot of times that teams like you just said they'll have like a jags west i think is what Foles call it called yeah. it when he left here he said we're not doing that he's like i'm not going to get marquise lee and all these people together and do some teams do it i'm yeah. not doing that and, well, and he was up front so it wasn't yeah. really a surprise that to that point but i still felt like yeah he might go down to like whatever coach he has in in california and Foles spent a lot of time in the last month out out west yeah uh, and he's got a place but, out there and, and his wife's family out there so I just thought maybe you go work with somebody like every well, other week or something like that. Especially coming to a new team with new wide receivers because it does take a while to build that chemistry. Um, it does take a while to kind of build that timing. So, yeah, the fact there wasn't like a Jags West where there, you know, he was on vacation and he kind of flew a couple of guys out there to uh, run some routes and everything, a little surprising. But if this is, uh, if this is his methods, we, we, we shall see the madness, and hopefully it pays out well. Uh, one other thing, too, to note, and I think Jags fans could get frustrated by this at times, get used to seeing Eagles jerseys, sh- shirts, Yeah, that was hats. a little surprising today. You'll I see, wasn't expecting it. In fact, when I was leaving the practice field after we went live on CBS 47 at noontime and coming toward this way, and they might still be there, actually. There was, I saw one. Well, uh, I saw one out there. But there were like four Eagles people there. in a row. I saw more Eagles and Jags sure. waiting for Foles to come out for for hopefully an autograph. So yeah. I think again, it, it speaks to how beloved he is up in the Philly area now after True. winning the Super Bowl, which isn't surprising. Yeah. But also, I think to the depth of the Philadelphia Eagles fan yeah, base. I mean, it's more. You're going there's, to have a little bit of that. There's eBay as well and the, you know, stuff like that. So maybe they're trying to get one for uh, for eBay. But I, I was surprised to see, you know, four Eagles jerseys, like four Eagles Foles jerseys right in the front row uh, waiting for that autograph. I don't think he came by them, unfortunately, so he can see the reaction. But, um, yeah, you know, there it is. It's, it's like... Philly South down here with Nick Foles now, so I guess we kind of have to expect it. I honestly didn't even think about that, but he is uh, he is kind of that cult hero in Philly as well. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so what do we take away, or can we take away in the early sessions of Jags camp any kind of progress imprint that Nick Foles might be putting? I'm not saying today. Today, listen, he underthrew a ball, a deep ball. He says he's working on the deep ball. I, I just don't put a lot of – I'm not going to grade every throw Nick Foles made on day one. I, I just think it's a silly proposition where I think it's hard to grade anybody, honestly, it, yeah, on, I mean, on day one. Like, I can sit here and say 
Taven Bryan looked fantastic in the individual, um, even in team drills today. Uh, his feet were fast. His hips were very fluid. Uh, looks like a changed man. I was but learning a lot about hips today. It's day one. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I was kind of giving you the 4 and one yeah. about hips and footwork and hands. Uh, so I can sit here and say, yeah, Taven Bryan's a changed man. But listen, it's, it's the first day of practice. Pads haven't come on yet. So everybody just let's, let's pump our brakes a little bit. But we still have to talk about football at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I say, like, so when will we feel it? You know, when we had Sal Palantonio on uh, months ago about Nick Foles. I asked him, the, you know, he said he is going to be a part of that community. You are going to feel Nick Foles. I said, well, how quick, how, how soon will we know that? He said, right away, in a matter of weeks. Well, I, would, I think Sal was right. I mean, you could kind of feel it. There was that Tom Coughlin J-Fund event, and you saw him do a couple of things here. You could kind of feel Nick Foles' presence right away, and the good guy, and, and uh, the experience, and the family, uh, all that stuff. Um, and, and then obviously they went through that the tragedy uh, with him and his wife and, yeah. and losing the baby. and it, So you could feel all that. But now I have a, a different question. When will you feel him on the field? When will you mm-hmm. feel like D.D. Westbrook might be getting better? He knows where to put that ball. You know, D.J. Chark, he's teaching him, showing him where to run that route. Josh Oliver. Yeah. When will you feel that kind? Because you will, you will eventually. I, I think there's an upgrade at QB here in Jacksonville. So you will notice some things that we haven't seen around here, heck, maybe in 5, 10, 15 years at that position. I just wonder how long it will take our eyes to see it. I think it's going to take a little bit, honestly, as far as the on-field product. Um, even when Peyton Manning went from Indianapolis to Denver, you know, I felt like it took him uh, a couple weeks to get acquainted with with the new receivers. That's a, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's the timing, and it's the... It's the rapport that you build up with the receivers at, at quarterback. And listen, you can't fake it. It just takes time. You know, you have to learn who everybody is and what they what they specialize in, what they're good at, what they're bad at, where to throw the balls, and that just comes with reps. Simple De- as that. Deion Sanders was here today talking to the uh, maybe the best cornerback tandem in the NFL, yeah. uh, a little Jalen Ramsey thought. And who did stick out uh, today in terms of jumping out of the field, not play-by-play, but a little jumping out on the field. I've got a couple of thoughts. That's next on ESPN 690. Deion Sanders out at practice today. Yes. Prime time. Yep. I guess the whole NFL network was set up out there today, weren't they? Well, the NFL network's spread all over the league, really, True, today. Yeah, but yeah. I thought I did think it was pretty interesting that Deion was here. Sure. Uh, now, of course, Jalen Ramsey, and I, I think they've they're. They were kind of buddies because of the FSU connection. Yep. And uh, A.J. Boye, I mean, you, again, I mean, it's not uh, far out there to say best tandem in the NFL. So yep. if you're going to talk corners, which Dion does a good job of, of course, uh, this is a good place to be. And he also, I think, caught up with Calais Campbell. So uh, it, it was really interesting to me because A.J. Boye was walking with his little girl after practice, and she said, and I tweeted this out, but she said, uh, or he said, hey, come on over here. Daddy's going to go meet uh, one of his idols growing up. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, she introduced him. Very cool. Uh, or he introduced her yeah. to, to Dion, and then he did a quick little interview. So that's kind of neat to see that, you know, from a player perspective. Yep. Um, a guy like A.J. Boye, who, who wears number 21, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, obviously uh, looked up to Dion like most corners probably did that are his age as they watched him uh, play in the NFL and, uh, well, maybe be the best of, of all time at that position. Now, did I try to go photobomb Dion when he was on live television? Did when, you do it? When I, was going to the, uh, the, I had to go to the porta potty 
and you know that they had like that white little sheet set up where yeah. you couldn't cross it. Yeah, I ended up crossing it because it wasn't going to go around it. I had to go to the bathroom, and uh, he was live, and yeah, I may have stuck my head and just kind of nodded and said, "What's up to the camera?" I'm not sure if that I saw, saw me you or start not. running, so I thought maybe you were trying to impress the camera. Well, I was doing. I mean, I was showing off the forum, Brent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there are some roster spots open right now. <laughs> what's up, Dave? Carl, give me a holler. I think you still have my number. But uh, yeah, so I did a little photo bombing. But you know, I guess note to self that when I do it again, make sure I'm rocking the ESPN. 690 Polo. Nah, that's good. That'll yes. be good for uh, some publicity. Yes. Uh, like we have on the video the feeds up now. We got the logos. Uh, kind of enough to put hey, the logos Yeah, in. my faces, I mean, our faces are probably on, I don't know, more than 50 screens around this building yeah, right now. Not a bad thing. I mean, I mean no, that's it's not bad. It's aggressive. It's weird, it, but it's cool. It is kind of weird. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. For, for all six of us in here, they get to see the show logo. True. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's going to be proud. We yeah. do have a whole crew, uh, our Action News Jacks crew, setting up for tonight's show for Jaguars All Access. We're going to host the show from here, too. So uh, it's a one-stop shop for me today, uh, TV and radio-wise. Uh, so more on that in a little bit. But uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, there's a ton of conversation all the time about Ramsey. There's a lot of conversation yesterday about Ramsey, of course, and his arrival. And we, we spent a lot of time on that, so I'm not going to relive that. But it is interesting to watch Jalen Ramsey here and Deion Sanders here on the same day. Because there's no doubt Jalen Ramsey, and by the way, this isn't a knock. You want to be that guy. That's best to play the, the position. Of He's course. a Florida State guy. I mean, there's, there's a great correlation there. I, I said this a little bit yesterday about coming out of the Brinks truck. Yes. Where I thought... Even Jalen, from that standpoint, he's not flashy like that. He's just not like Dion had the glasses, the hat, the the fur coat, right? Dion would, would would for sure do the Brinks truck entrance. He would, but he'd come out with there'd be a little more flash to it, even. Yeah, like there was kind of a subtle leaving the truck for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I mean it would be I think it'd be Dion on like on the mega horn talking about himself more than anything. You and, know? and De- yes, and and Dion's obviously was a trash talker and yeah. he could talk and but he was entertainer. Like Dion reminds me of a little bit more like he could he could be in all elite wrestling or WWE, like he could take on the persona of a wrestler sure. with a microphone. Yeah. Like Jalen I think is seriously a competitor trash-talking guy. It helps him play his game. But there's a difference between that and being flashy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I yeah. think they get crossed, but in my mind, there's a little bit different. Like, Antonio Brown's a flashy guy. Uh, Deion Sanders is a flashy guy. Jalen Ramsey's just a trash-talker, man, and yeah. he wants to beat you, and he wants to beat you bad. He's more Michael Jordan, you know, yeah. in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like, Michael Jordan wasn't a flashy guy, but he'd talk trash with you, and he was he was going to go kick your butt, and he sure. wanted to beat you by 50. So I feel like he's more that. So I don't think they're, as much as Jalen tries over time, or people want him to be in the brand and try to be like Dion. I don't think it's going to be kind of like Dion. I think Jalen will have his own persona. Uh, because first of all, it's hard to try to be like somebody else. And I'm not saying he is trying, but that's the example set. So that's always the comparison. Uh, now the second part of that for me is if you look out on that football field, man, it's hard not to notice 20. Oh, he he makes himself known almost every single play. And I'm not talking from like a yapping, having fun. Oh I'm no, I'm talking from play making making. plays. Yeah, I mean, almost had a couple interceptions today. I saw. Um, yeah, I mean, the guy hasn't missed a step, but would you expect anything less? But it, it, it No, but I think but people forget that part. I you know what you. I mean? Okay. Because we talk about the armored truck, we talk about the trash talk, and we talk about the headlines, the tweets, the this, the that, sure. the branding. 
But I do think we have to remind people sometimes this guy doesn't just get it done out on this field in between the lines. Yeah. You notice him in practice every time you watch, too. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And and listen, and if, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan and you're not a Jalen Ramsey fan, there's something wrong with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's something wrong because for the eyeballs that he brings to the team, number one, for the way that he performs on the field, number two, um, you can't, you cannot like the guy if you're a Jaguars fan. Now, if you're a Bengals fan, oh, if I'd you're hate a him. Texans fan, oh yeah, hands down, hate him. yeah, he's one of the most probably despised uh, villains in the NFL, if you will. But that's it's good who, to have one of those guys. It, it is good to have one <laughs> of those guys. But um, you know, through the through the, through the, the talking and uh, the, the whole Brinks truck thing, and what, listen, I think the Brinks truck thing was more of the Adidas idea than it was Jalen Ramsey's idea. I don't think Jalen Ramsey went up to his agent, to his PR person, said, you know what we should do this year? Go ahead and get me a Brinks truck and let me pull up there and let's hire a comedian to kind of spit some game for me while I'm walking out. No, that was definitely an Adidas thing. And a smart one. Yeah, it was a smart one because guess what? Everybody was talking about it that day. <laughs> so, you know, th- th- that was more of an Adidas thing. So getting back to his personality where is that really Jalen? Probably not to a T. You know, I mean, obviously he kind of went with it, I think, because it, it did get the social media views. It did get the attention. Not to say Jalen doesn't like attention. I think any player at that position would like attention. But you can still see that the same Jalen's there. And he even said it himself, like, when he gets on the field, there's going to be trash talking. And that's just the way it is because that's how he plays. He, he has to he has to, distinct, he has to put out that trash talking. He has to put out those vibes because that's when he plays his best. It's almost like, and, you know, and I don't want to compare too much to MMA here, but it's like Conor McGregor. Like, when Conor McGregor trash talks, he does it, number one, because it sells the fight off. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Looks like we may have lost the guys, so we're going to go to a quick commercial break here and see if we can get them back on. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to Jags headquarters. Opening day of Jaguars training camp 2019. So we're going to talk a lot about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we will continue to do that. But right now we're going to talk a little college football ACC Network will launch in a few weeks, August 22nd. That's just coming up. Exciting times in the ACC. And a man familiar with college football in a lot of different ways and with a ton of success joins us right now on ESPN 690. Brett Martineau along with former Jacksonville Jaguar player Austin Lane here this afternoon. Pleasure to have Mark Richt on the show now, former Georgia Bulldog head coach, Miami Hurricane head coach, and uh, now joins the ACC Network. Hey, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, gentlemen? We are doing fantastic. By the way, is it okay to keep calling you coach? Is that all right? Yeah, you know what? People ask me that, and uh, most people just keep calling me coach. <laughs> you know, I guess it's just something that sticks with you. And I'll be honest with you, I like it. I like still being coach. So uh, if you want to call me coach, great. But if you want to call me Mark, that's not a problem. And on the NFL, uh, a lot of first-name basis, player-coach stuff. and But in college, it's mostly the kids – calling the head coach or any position coach, coach so-and-so. So I'm, I'm good with it. Absolutely. Big day around here for the Jacksonville Jaguars training camp opening up across the NFL, but obviously college camps opening up in the next few days too. This is the time where you got to pass the test, isn't it, to say, oh, I don't have that itch. I, I don't want to get back on that field. I don't want to go in a yeah. team meeting. What are you it's, talking you, about? You feeling yeah. it? Yeah. Talk, talking about me personally. Uh, I haven't felt an itch yet. <laughs> um, I doubt I would feel an itch about missing training camp. Uh, I might get an itch when I, once the ball gets kicked off. But uh, right now I've really enjoyed uh, my time just spending 
most of it with my wife, Catherine. We're still madly in love, which is awesome. And uh, after, you know, being empty nesters, and uh, we got two granddaughters we've seen a lot of as well. So it's been a lot of fun to do that. But um, just catching a break and being a regular person <laughs> uh, for the first time in 35 years is, I mean, it, it was it was hard on me in the beginning to do nothing. But uh, I got used to it. I got used to sleeping in. Uh, there's an art to that. And uh, you just, <laughs> when you wake up at 5 a, or 6 a.m., if you just lay back down and close your eyes and shut up, you'll go back to sleep. And uh, I, I got good at that. So, uh, I mean, I was probably averaging four to six hours for 35 years. Now I'm averaging eight to ten hours sleep. So good I feel you. good. Yeah, doctors probably say that's a pretty good thing <laughs> for all of us. Uh, that's how, a, how that's much a you, great thing. Yeah, how much are you looking forward to this role? Uh, how did it come together? Uh, oh, it's yeah. a great platform to be able to use your knowledge, uh, experience, but also stay in the game. Do you think this will keep you tied into yes. the game that will fulfill that thirst for it? I do. I think it's going to be great. Um, I've actually got a sense of humor that people don't know about. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be able to have a little fun. And uh, but I mean, we're, our job is to educate and 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 entertain people. And uh, you know, I, I think I can. I think the greatest asset I will be is when you know everybody's like, "Why would Coach do that? Or why would he do that? You know, do this or do that?" And and I think if I could at least explain what goes into certain decisions, it doesn't necessarily mean that the coach should have or shouldn't have done it. Usually, a decision is based on the success or failure is based on whether the play worked or didn't work. But um, I, I hope I can uh, be able to educate a little bit as to why this might have happened or that might have happened or what goes into the thought process of these decisions that are being made. But in the meantime, still just, just have some fun. Coach Austin Lane here. I'm just going to keep on calling you coach because I'm a former player myself, and I think once a coach, always a coach. So I'm just going to call you coach. But Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. So, you know, when when you were a coach, you had goals going into the offseason, going into camp. Obviously, it's to win the conference. It's to win a national championship. Well, you're kind of going into right. training camp right now with your new gig here. Uh, what are some of your goals that you're looking to obtain the first year uh, doing this whole new venture? Right. Well, first of all, I'm thankful that I got the opportunity. You know, ESPN didn't have to bring me in uh, to this new league or this new uh, network. And um, so I'm thankful just to get the opportunity. But uh, I do want to be able to, like I said, educate people. I want to entertain people. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, be legitimate in the things I say. I think the biggest thing ESPN wants from us as analysts is, is an opinion, our opinion. What do we think? We don't have to necessarily have to think somebody's wrong or think somebody's right. It's just, what do you think, Coach? And then, and I, I think I could do that. And even if I don't agree with something that somebody did, I think you can say it in such a way that, you know, you're not feeling like you're bashing somebody. You know, just as long as you're not taking shots at someone personally and you're, and you're taking a, uh, you're, you're criticizing or critiquing something that you saw, I think that's, well within bounds of what media should do. 
Former Georgia coach, former Miami Hurricane coach Mark Rick joining us on ESPN 690 right now as he uh, begins that second career, if you will, as an ACC football analyst. ACC Network launching on August 22nd should be a lot of fun, including for Florida State fans. They'll have a Bowden Dynasty special coming up on the ACC Network, so uh, that'll be really good for the folks in Tallahassee and Seminoles fans around the country. Let's talk a little bit about the Canes. I know you haven't done an interview without being asked about the Canes. Uh, What do you think about Manny Diaz? And I'm going to... Actually, two questions about these guys. Ever since, since I've been down here, uh, which is more than a decade, everybody asks this question, Coach. Can Miami get back? Can Miami get back? Uh, what? How do you answer that question? Well, I don't think there's any doubt. Any any team that's been there before can certainly get back. There's a reason why they were great to begin with. So part of the reason Miami was great to begin with was just because of the great players that stayed in the South Florida area, along with a few nuggets from all around the nation who wanted to be a part of it once they got it rolling, uh, they're still the same talent base that I think they'll be able to dip into. I, I think what happened to Miami was winning so much, five national championships in a 20-year span. I, I really believe that when everybody else kept building their programs and building the facilities and doing uh, things with their strength and conditioning and nutrition, sports psychology, all these things. I think when a coach at Miami might have said, hey, to the administration, hey, we need this or we need that, they'd be like, why do we need this or that? We're, we're winning without it. And I, and I think there was a time where Miami fell asleep a little bit in regard to those things, and then they woke up and said, you know what, if we want to compete and we want to beat the Alabamas and Clemsons and Ohio States of the world, Oklahoma's, then we, we got to, we got to get in this party when it comes to getting our facilities right and to do the things we need to do to develop our players properly. And I think Miami's doing that now. I think, I think Manny Diaz is a great choice. If Blake James would ask me when I retired, you know, what should I do now? I would say get Manny. Hmm. And, and as it turned out, that's what he did. I, he didn't ask my opinion, but. That's what I would have told him. I think Manny's perfect for the job. I think he gets South Florida recruiting. He grew up a Miami fan. He grew up in Miami. Uh, I think he's perfect for the job. And I think Miami is a good fit for him, too. So I think they'll do well. And, uh, you know, when, when you say is Miami back, I mean, everybody has a different definition of what that means. But Miami's going to be a team to reckon with, be reckoned with for sure. Uh, Canes fans love to hear that from Mark Richt. Uh, he joins us on ESPN 690. I'll ask you about the state of football because you just talked about so many different things, sports psychologists, nutritions, these standalone football facilities where uh, some people believe you can't even win 10 games with if you don't have one on campus. Do we get to a point, Coach, sooner or later, where the bubble bursts, where we're just spending too much money yeah. in college football, and it just it just becomes too much for everybody else to compete. Maybe there's only ten teams, ten programs, twenty programs that can do yeah. it. When's enough enough? That's a great question. I, I think a bigger question is: Will the student athletes get some type of compensation? You know what's going on in the state of California. You know they're voting to say allow them to use their make money off their likeness, uh, very similar to what the uh, Olympic athletes can do. And, uh, you know, once that happens, what's, what's going to happen to the game then? Um, I'll say this. There's been a lot of things uh, that have come into play, whether it's rules, whether it's money, 
whether it's these networks opening up or whatever it is, and people are like it's going to doom college football. But I just think it's 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 going to be around uh, for a long, long time, and I don't think it's going to. Uh, it may have it may dip here and there because of certain things, but for the most part, people love their teams and they're going to support them. And college football is still, I think, the greatest team sport there is. And uh, I think it's going to keep going strong, to be honest with you. Do you think they should find a way to pay these guys, pay these players, student-athletes? Well, what people don't know, I mean, there is this cost of attendance thing. Yeah. And uh, and and also, they'll get a stipend for housing, for, for living expenses. And I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I know for a fact a lot of those kids will make, around 200 to 300 dollars a week just cash from the cost of attendance and if they get money for off-campus housing and they don't they find you know they get a three or four guys together and rent and get their rent down at a certain spot you know there's a lot back in my day we were begging for 15 dollars weekend money that was it but now they're actually getting a fairly substantial amount of money uh on a monthly basis where they're not just where they where they can go out on a date, they can buy some clothes. And a lot of guys are buying brand new cars and making car payments hmm. with that money. So it's not like they have nothing now. Uh, and I, the thing that I think people miss is the value of a college education. I mean, let's face it: you go to Miami, it's about seventy thousand a year. You get a, you're going to have to earn about a half a million dollars to to pay for your kid's education at Miami. But now these guys come out of there with a degree in hand, no no college debt, uh, no college loans and all that kind of thing. They, they got a great head start in life. And uh, so I, I think there's a lot of value in the degree that people still don't put enough emphasis on. Mark Richt, I know you have an appointment at 4 o'clock. Let me leave you with this question, uh, and I'd love to get one in for the Georgia Bulldogs, but we'll do it at another time since we're talking a lot of ACC and the ACC Network launching on sure. August 22nd. NFL, did it ever intrigue you? Did you almost end up? I mean, would you have ever jumped? Uh, and yeah, come I had a couple. Well, I had some opportunities, and I just felt like I was wired to be a college coach. I felt like my desire to try to bless the student athlete was so strong. I felt like I'd have more influence in college than I would in the NFL. So I, I just didn't think it was a right fit for me. Well, you did a fantastic job coaching and roaming the sidelines in college football. Uh, good luck in this endeavor. We'll look forward to watching you. Hopefully we can connect again. Great. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Mark Richt, former Georgia Bulldog coach, former Miami Hurricane coach, now to the ACC Network, which launches on August 22nd. Uh, he's a good man. Good. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I should I should say the Mark Richt I know of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like yeah, I've had yeah, dinner yeah. with him and hung out with him yeah. a lot. We've gone up to Athens a few times when he was with Georgia program. I think it was a hard decision to get to go separate ways at Georgia because he's such a good man yeah. um, and well-respected in that in that regard, and that's not easy to do in co- coaching these days. There's a reason why I never got into coaching, um, especially like at the collegiate level, just because I know how much those guys have to work, and the fact that he was able to balance, you know, his football life with his family life, because he's also a big family man, he's also a man of faith. Um, the fact that he can balance those things all, all together and have a successful teams and then a, a great family as well, very admirable on Mark Rick's part. Hey, I love you Georgia Bulldog fans. We'll have him on again and we'll ask some Georgia Bulldog stuff, I promise, cool. but uh, I had to get some of the Canes stuff and ACC Network. We'll be back on ESPN 690. More Jags talk after this.
those Adidas people know how to market. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, you know, you do something and everyone else talks about it. It's good. But uh, what you, what people see on the outside, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna form opinion. But you know, I can tell you, as soon as he crosses into our building, it's all about doing what's best for the team and doing everything from that nature. That's Doug Marone on Jalen Ramsey, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, kind of the two days of Jalen Ramsey, right? Yeah. The armored truck and what he thought of it. And I think, you know, I think Doug Marone gets a chuckle out of it. I don't know. I uh, think Doug Marone loved it, to uh, tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, loved might be a little strong. Okay. Enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, loved might be a little strong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. These are old school football coaches at the end of the day. Yeah. I think there's still a part of this. In fact, I wanted to ask Mark Rick that. And just, we didn't, uh, I could have spent another 20 minutes talking to Mark Rick. Oh, yeah. And just the idea of, the whole thing we talk about all the time, the difference in branding and almost individuality in this ultimate team sport Mm -hmm. that sometimes comes to the surface. But it's like you have to remind yourself it's not new. A half hour ago we were talking about Deion Sanders, man. That guy brought it to life. It was all about Deion. And and kind of the points you made before, too, where where Deion was kind of that flashy guy. You know, he's all about the the gold chains, the the crazy outfits, uh, you know, the mink coats and everything. Um, while they do play the same position, I feel like Jalen Ramsey, and we've kind of agreed on this, isn't necessarily the most flashiest guy. Now, he, he, he will talk, you know, and um, he has to talk because in, in order to talk, you have to bring out the best in yourself. I compare it to Conor McGregor. Don't like bringing, you know, football in with MMA, but it's a good comparison because Conor McGregor talks not only to sell fights, but Conor McGregor also talks because it's almost like a motivation to him where if you say all these things, if you say you're going to knock out somebody in the first round, well, then you hold Hold yourself accountable. And every time Jalen Ramsey goes out there, whether it's against Steve Smith, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, he starts talking smack to somebody, that's him holding himself accountable. Now, fans fans of the Jaguars are going to love that. Now, fans of away teams, like if you're a Bengals fan, if you're a Texans fan, Probably not gonna probably not gonna like it so much, you know. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna be a fan of that kind of behavior, and I get that. That that's part of the game. But um, but, but it's like I say, man, Jalen Ramsey is like the stepfather of the NFL. Like you may not res- like you may not like him, but you will respect him, and you have to respect the guy because of, of what he does, of how he plays, and just the talent that he brings to the table. You have to respect him, man. You have to. Yeah, stepfather. Yeah. Who's your daddy? Yeah, and Andre hey, Hopkins, hey, oh, and, yeah. Pedro Martinez. <laughs> And with, with all That's due, what's coming to mind well, right now. Those and, are the those are the hot words in my mind. And, and with all due respect to, to my stepfather, man, he was awesome. So like <laughs> I, I I liked him and I respected him, you know. But, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, who else is like that? Do you think around the NFL? Like, see, Steve Smith, Richard. See, to me, Richard Sherman was kind of. I think Richard Sherman was kind of like the, the new school kind of Deion Sanders. Not not the flashiness part. I'm just talking about the people that love to hate him, you know. And and I think that came from call. from the whole Aaron Andrews interview, yeah. you know, when when he was screaming, um, you know, saying do you like that? Well, I forgot what he, what he even said with Aaron Andrews, but they, they wanted the playoff game or they going to the playoffs. You mad, the, bro? Yeah, you mad, bro? That might have been it. And uh, well, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure that was it? You mad, I'm pretty bro? sure it was it. I feel like he said something else, though, too. He was talking about somebody, whatever it was. But Richard That was Sherman, his coming out party. Yeah, Richard Sherman you went know? off, and then if you're an Eagles fan, you're all about it. You love that intensity. You love the Legion of it, Boom. Seahawks, you know? yeah. 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 Uh, you love that whole that whole thing. You know, if, you, if Richard Sherman was playing against your team, then maybe you didn't like him so much. But at the end of the day, um, Richard Sherman in his prime, you, you had to respect it. You know what's also fascinating about that is you, you came to, uh, on the surface, all right, uh, if you're on the East Coast or if you're just this casual NFL fan, whatever, I mean, it doesn't have to be on the East Coast. I'm just saying as far from a distance as possible on Richard Sherman, 
it was you either like that stuff because yeah. you like that stuff, or you're like, this guy's a fool, right? Yeah. I mean, that's your reaction. There's no. I mean, look at your tweet yesterday. Yeah. That's the reaction. Yeah. That was the reaction on Jalen Ramsey. There is no gray area. There isn't. It's either no. it's either here or there. But then it's in, what what I find interesting. I don't know how many other people think this way, but as you go look more up on Richard Sherman and you realize, man, this guy's like super smart Stanford guy, bright guy, of you course. know, all these other things to respect off the field and outside of the field and his intellect. And yeah. and I've always said this about Jalen, and I don't know what his SAT scores are or his GPA. What I say is he can be so smart and calculated and with knowledge of almost what every word means and is going to mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that and Dion was beautiful at that, right? Dion knew that if he wore something, mm-hmm. said something a certain way, he knew the next five things that were going to happen. True. You know, and that's yeah. what I mean by calculated. And from a branding perspective, from a name recognition standpoint, which by the way means this dollars yeah. Yeah, at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. It's really smart. In so well, many different respects. Now, people don't like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's some people even in Jacksonville, even though he wears a Jags uniform, because of all that, that don't love Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, I get it all the time. That don't. Yeah. Now, now do, they, listen, do they appreciate his game? To your point, maybe, but they yeah. might feel almost like an but opposing fan when I, it comes to Jalen. And listen, if if you're a Jaguars fan and if you, and you don't like Jalen Ramsey then the sport of football is not for you. And I compare it to MMA again. Here we go again, but it, it's so comparable. Where, But did I have to you, like Conor McGregor? You didn't have to like Conor McGregor. No, but you're also, if you're from Ireland, you better like him. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're from Ireland and you're cheering for Khabib, yeah, yeah. something's wrong with you, man. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, so, but like, uh, listen, Jalen Ramsey has earned the right to talk as much trash as he wants, just like Conor McGregor has earned the right to go in the cage and do whatever he wants. Like, as soon as you earn that right... And that cage door locks. Whatever you do in there, I'm cool with. Now, obviously, if you talk bad about someone's religion, orientation, things like that, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna shake my head at that. No, but um, but if it's just trash talking, then absolutely. And it's the same thing on the field. Like Jalen Ramsey has worked his ass off to get where he's at, and he's earned the right to trash talk if he wants to. And I have a respect for it because, and it's even more I think than Dion, because yeah, Dion's a trash talker too. But I saw AJ Green, one of the most humble. Most quiet wide receivers at a position. Right there. Yeah, it's probably about a, 100 yards away from where we're at a, at sitting. a wide receiver position that that is all about the ego, that is all about the flash and talking back. AJ Green was never that guy. You know, AJ Green's a lot of a lot of good things, but he's he's not the guy that's going to be flashy. He's not the trash talker. He kind of goes under the radar a little bit. And when I saw Jalen Ramsey turn his back and AJ Green kind of choke him from behind and try to push him to the ground, I was like, oh. Jalen Ramsey is a samurai when, when, when it comes to you know getting the reaction, when it comes to the trash talking, because you saw a reaction out of a guy who doesn't give reactions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when you know you got something special in Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, and by the way, that too was his coming out party. Yeah, That was yeah. where his brand took a different level. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back to, and, and really what I want to talk more about is just how good he is at the sport of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ask me of a player that jumped out here today, I, I thought uh, Terrell Pryor was interesting today. Not that he's like made all these spectacular catches, but I just think that he, he jumps out at you because of his physique. He looks a little different than all the other receivers out there because of his body size, right? Yeah. He's a big man at six foot four and just a big physical player uh, and a freaky athlete, too. Mm-hmm. 
But on that other side of the football, it's just if you're watching the middle linebackers, your eyes end up going to 20. I can almost tell you where 20 is on every play, even though I'm not watching him to start the play. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so interesting to me about it. And when, when you're doing that in practice, I just feel like, oh, that's, that backs it up. And that's something I think a lot of people don't get to see. I mean, there are a few hundred people or a thousand people or whatever out here that if they wanted to see that today, they could. Yeah. But we're talking to a lot more Jags fans than just a thousand people out there. And... I think that's something that you got to understand. I mean, this guy's getting it done on the field, and that's where you probably earn respect inside that locker room, not just out on that field here at TIAA Bank Field, mm-hmm. but on that practice field. Uh, I knew he was something unique um, when I watched him two years ago in practice, and he did something that I had never seen another player do before at the corner position of any team that I've watched or any team that I played on. When they were doing a, a walkthrough segment, literally just on air, it was um, you know it was like 25%, just you know just slow speed. Uh, he made it a habit though, even though the quarterback Bortles was throwing the ball to a receiver, he made it a habit that that receiver was not catching the ball. Now this ticked some of the teammates off a little bit, uh, and I think even coach, where I think Coach Bradley was, I uh, was yelling just let him catch the ball, let him catch the ball, and Jalen's like no, he ain't catching the ball, like no one's catching the ball on me. <laughs> but th- that's just the mindset that he has, man. Yeah. Even it doesn't matter if it's a walkthrough, doesn't matter if it's a if it's an unpadded practice, a padded practice, or in a game or in a Pro Bowl, whatever it is, uh, I think he brings the same mentality to everything. Yeah. And you just wonder how great he can be. I mean, yeah. he's had unbelievable years so, yes. to this point. I, and people will say he didn't have as great a year last year. He was still very good last year. Very, very good. Did he have a couple of lax plays? Yeah, maybe. I'll give you that. But on a whole, man, he was good, and he played through some things in a losing season. Gained some respect there as well. I wonder. I mean, I already think he's really, really good. Yeah. Like, I think he's the best guy in the NFL at the position. But does he get Dion like? And what do you have to do to get that way? Continue to make big plays. Keep in mind, he made one of the biggest plays in franchise history already, and he's been here three years. The interception against the Buffalo Bills. So uh, it'll be uh, fun to watch. Whether you like the antics or not, and I'm not like begging you to do this, I just think you should at least watch the game, respect the game uh, of Jalen Ramsey, uh, as so many other people do. We have a little balling and falling coming up. Some Florida Gator talking a bit, but... We won't leave the Jaguars behind. More to come on ESPN 690. We have Fallen and Fallen coming up from Jags headquarters as we open training camp 2019 this morning. Jags practicing early in the day, 840 till roughly 1110 today, but usually go a little past 1130 according to the schedule. Beautiful morning. They get it out of the way, get their work done. Uh, the schedule appears to be a little bit more loose this year for the players in terms of a, a bit more free time, if you will. I don't, again, I don't. I got to be a little careful characterizing this stuff. I'm yeah, talking relative <laughs> to it. like years past. Yeah. You know? well, yeah. Uh, and and these last couple of years have been a grinder. And not to say this one won't be, but it's a little bit different feel to the point where I, you know, talking to a couple of players, I feel like they like this. They sure. like the idea. Would you like starting early? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what we did uh, my last year here with uh, Malarkey. Uh, we started early. Um, yeah, compared I to going. I don't remember. I've been here twelve years, man. Yeah. I don't remember a camp starting this early. Yeah, a yeah. practice. No, but maybe uh, you guys did. Yeah, that's what we did uh, in Chicago too, as well. We'd go. I mean, we were out there like at ten, so it wasn't as early as the eight forty. I mean, I think they're on the field at eight thirty, aren't they? Yeah. Guys getting, yeah, yeah. So that's the, the, that's a little um, earlier, but I definitely prefer the early mornings compared to. Uh, you know, what would Jack the Real had where we're out here till 10, 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah, I um, can see. Now, listen, for my life, 
Yeah. I like the night practice. Oh, I'm sure you do, man. <laughs> I'm sure you do. It's cooler. Uh, you know, the lights are out and everything. It's almost like Friday night. Well, not only that, but we but, got TV at hey, 10 and 11 o'clock, yeah. you know. I mean, but, listen, I don't get to cash that in just because there's an 8.40 hey, in the morning practice. But guess what, Brent? Try being a player. Try getting off the field around 9.30, taking a shower, and you're wired from practice. Try going back to the Omni Hotel or whatever time it is, and you get there at 11, and you can't fall asleep, man, because you're still wired from practice. It's yeah, just, listen, you horrible. had a chance to rip JDR a, few, a couple weeks ago. No, and man, I, I have too much respect I mean, well, 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 maybe next time we have him. Well, now I'm going to rip him because he ain't coming to my fight. He said he was coming. <laughs> I didn't see him there. So. He did give you a shout, though. Yeah, he did so give you a shout. At least he was paying out, attention. He was he was at, least, yeah. uh, at least he was alert of it. Absolutely. All right, hey, let's go back to the Action uh, Sports Shack Studios. Uh, Kuz is there, of course, and so is John Bachman. Uh, lonely, hanging out with maybe our, uh, like, uh, cutouts there <laughs> that's the exactly right you guys invite me to the party and then you move the party and don't tell me <laughs> sorry man oh, tv timeout time man. here on action sports jacks on espn 690 we check in with john bachman from action news jack cbs 47 fox 30 getting going at five o'clock hey the big story for us is jaguars trading camp what's the big story for you guys we got a lot of big stories again today but i in honor of this being kind of the kickoff to football season i decided in florida football season goes hand in hand with hurricane season and uh the and because mike burrish just draws viewers he i mean does. he is the man he is he uh he's got a pretty cool story uh about building codes in in jacksonville are not as strict as they are in other parts of the state hmm. and we look at why that is and what you can do with your home to protect it because uh, you know hurricanes you know, we've, we've got hidden, it gotten hit a couple times the last couple of years. Not badly by wind, but certainly by flooding. I thought, uh, John, that that changed in 92 after Hurricane Andrew. I thought all of Florida changed. No, no. So lots of, lots of parts of Florida did increase their standards, but not, it's not a standard. So in other words, one of the things that they're looking at is do we need a statewide standard for building codes? Cause that, right now, that's not how it is. So that's kind of the interesting piece. And so he went down to, to uh, South Florida in, into the, uh, the big wind machine as well. So I, that always I, looks fun, by the way. It I does. Know it's a kind serious of, it? topic, and it's important yeah. because uh, there's a lot of destruction that goes on. We just saw it. When, we've seen it around here the last couple of years. We saw it. Uh, uh, Panama Gulf, City, of course. In Panama Michael City. was bad. Yep. Uh, that was a really bad one last year. But that wind tunnel looks kind of fun. Yeah, it, 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 it's fun because that part of it's in a controlled environment. When yeah. you're actually in the real thing, speaking from experience, it's the farthest thing from fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Burrish will deliver us a forecast. It looks uh, a little cloudy this afternoon. What else is on tap for uh, 5 o'clock on CBS 47? Well, we've got another follow-up to that apartment fire. We, uh, we talked about that yesterday, I think, and there's just some more stuff coming out from that, which is kind of crazy. Um, also... Christmas in July, that's a great story. You know, these kids at Wilson Children's Hospital have a lot going on. And talk about, you know, struggles, but they had Christmas in July there today. And that's going to be a great story. Very good. Very Look cool. forward to it on CBS 47 and Fox 30 all night long. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, you can join the party again tomorrow with all of us. Uh, sure, sure. That's what you say now. <laughs> Thanks, man. I can take a hint. Hey, guys, great job out there. Look forward to seeing uh, the updates uh, coming up on Action News Jacks as well from the, from the football land. I appreciate it. All right. John Bachman, Taniki Hughes, Mike Borish uh, tonight, 5 o'clock on CBS 47. Of course, uh, 6 o'clock as well on Fox 30 and all night long at 10 and 11 uh, on the TV side. Uh, I'll be live from here at 6.50 on Fox 30, and then we'll roll right into Jaguars All Access. We told you this a lot in the last week. We are moving the show from Mondays to Thursdays this fall, and it debuts tonight. We'll also, we're doing this show from the stadium because it's the start of training camp, celebrate football yeah. starting. Uh, next week, we'll go back to Mellow Mushroom, and then 
we miss the next few Thursdays because there are preseason games. But then we pick it up in September with 18 weeks in a row on Thursdays. Uh, uh, and Fox 30 and Calais Campbell will join us along with Jeff Lagerman. So cool. uh, we'll have a lot of fun on the TV side. And uh, one more note. If you stay up a little bit later, which we hope you do, join us for First and Ten, the Action Sports Jacks Department, 11.15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Uh, we debut that tonight, uh, First and Ten training camp. All right. Or if worse comes worse, you can just uh, DVR it as well and you, watch it tomorrow morning. You absolutely can. I it's got a, you, dude. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. won't talk about ratings and how DVR works. I don't think well, I'm supposed to do that. Hang on, but, here's uh, the, can I, can just I watch it soon. I'll just give okay. you a hit. Watch it like in the next uh, 24 hours or so. Okay, I mean, if I want that's a question, though, I got. If, if you DVR and I watch it the next morning, are we cool? Yes, for ratings? Okay, that's cool. Then I'm, I'm going to do that. You then, can do so it. I, I go to bed early. All right, fantastic. What we'll you got from Ballin'? Ballin' and Fallin', Brent. I'll tell you what, Ballin'. Oh, Brent, you people. <laughs> and when I say you people, I mean you baseball players. Oh, man. You, you guys! I uh, like to be grouped. Now, see, this is usually—it's uh, not always fun to be <laughs> put no, in the you no, people no. category. Uh, I'm kind of a today. I feel like it's a bit of a badge of honor today. Yeah, t- t- today I'm putting you in the category of baseball players, and my baseball players uh, that are balling or falling. We'll see what you think about the story. I'm talking about Cincinnati slugger Yestiel Puig. Uh, may have done something that's never happened in the history of baseball. He shaved his mustache off mid-game. Uh, fans recognized his mustache as first at bat, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, in the middle of the game, a second at bat comes up, and people realize that he had indeed shaved his mustache off. It must have been in the dugout or in the bathroom, but he shaved a mustache, his mustache off his face mid-game. Uh, never seen it done before. Not sure why he did it. I don't know if it's like a superstitious kind of thing. But um, when I say you people, that's what I mean, baseball players. You guys got to shave your mustaches off mid-game for apparently a superstitious kind of reason. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Were I, you superstitious? I was. Big time, huh? Yeah, I okay. was. Uh, well, I, I, I hesitate to say big time because there are levels of it. Like Wade Boggs used to eat chicken before every yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that was his, every game. You know, and, and guys do some of the crazy things. I wouldn't say that. Like everybody in baseball is superstitious to the point where nobody steps on the white line. You sure. know, they always jump over it. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. I, I don't know anybody that steps on the white line. Like I, that's just a thing. Okay. Um, but that's so it's superstitious. But it's kind of everybody does it. But I do feel like I did a lot of the same routine things. Uh, yeah. You know. But that's no different, really, than what you would do as a football player no, like, or as an MMA fighter. I don't know like, if you guys call it superstitious. No, but in baseball terms, it becomes muscle superstitious. memory, right? Yeah, it's just muscle memory, kind of like if I'm getting in my stance, I kind of do the same thing to get in my stance. Okay, I got you. I mean, and I'm sure baseball talk about muscle memory, so okay, I got you. So you're not too hardcore superstitious. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the I, I love the superstitious stuff, though. Yeah. And when you're going well. You try to remember what you do. You can almost get caught up with it sure. uh, a little bit too much. Uh, hey, Kevin uh, uh, Bard, the uh, uh, Tennessee Titan. Oh, yeah, safety. Paid. Paid in some. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, you know, here's why I bring that up. I might be his agent that might be balling more Yeah. because he's got Ramsey, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you saw with the kind of contract that Kevin just got. It was I a big mean, one in it, the seventies. It, it was a big dog, yeah. So uh, my okay. computer's not working, so I can't figure out exactly how much it was. But I think it was in the seventy million range. Sure. So, uh, and, and you know, it's funny. You know, we we're not in Nashville covering the Titans. Yeah. And but when I saw this contract, I was like, oh, I didn't know he was due, and oh, I didn't know he'd get that much. Sure. You know, sometimes there's kind of those reactions to yeah. these big deals. I mean, he, he's getting, he's a really good player. No, he's a great player, but he's getting. I mean, he's. Now he's getting compensated like he's the best, if not one of the best, safeties in the NFL. 
that's a lot of dollars for safety too. Yeah. So do you think Jalen's going to come as in when, when you gets calling? As they continue to the reset like every position. Better better get two Brinks trucks when Jalen's contract comes to call. And, uh, J- and Jalen tweeted about that, too, so I think they're good buddies. Sure. But I, I noticed the agent name, and I was like, ooh, he's got another one. Now, he probably has several of them. But uh, the relationship between yeah. you know Kevin and, uh, and Jalen yeah. and then the same agent, well, there's a lot of cash coming his way um, in the next couple of years. What you got for Fallen? Uh, Brent, when a professional athlete leaves a team, usually, uh, depending on the success, depends on how much of a message that athlete's going to give the team when he leaves. Uh, for instance, if you win a championship with said team, 10 times out of 10, that athlete will probably think the entire city through like a paper ad or going on social media and thanking the city, but something, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of, kind of like, like a nice gesture like as you're exiting out. Well, uh, Kawhi Leonard, being Kawhi Leonard, doing Kawhi Leonard things, took it upon himself to thank the whole city of Toronto during a different way. And this was during the Los Angeles Clippers introduction press conference. Check out this audio. You know, I want to thank uh, the Toronto Raptor fans. Uh, you know, I don't have social media, so I'm not able to put out a you know, paragraph or whatever. But, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, it was a great, amazing season. Best parade ever. So this is like an ex-girlfriend coming up to you, bringing closure to everything, but her new boyfriend standing right next to you. <laughs> like, how, how awkward could you be, man? You had to do it during your introduction to the Clippers? You couldn't take out an old-school newspaper? It's called a newspaper, and, uh, you know, people read them. Uh, you couldn't put well, it, like, in the newspaper and just say, anymore, thanks for the, for, the, for the memories? You had to do it during your new team's introduction? You know, what's interesting is, like, you'd think because he's not on social media, he might have done something like that. Yeah. You know, take a billboard yeah. out or a newspaper, like you're talking about. Nope. So. Uh, you know also, what? You said you said, <laughs> you said awkward. Paragraph. Yeah. I know a paragraph. Yeah. You said awkward. Yeah. He's kind of awkward. Yeah. As an as a star athlete. Yeah. Is there a more unusual star athlete? Yeah. Like we, we're just talking about all this flash, right? Yeah. We're talking about Dion and Jalen and all these people. Sure. Well, he's like as far from flash, and it's almost like that makes. And, and I'm guilty of this right now. Yeah. Because I'm asking you, is he awkward and a little strange as a star? player in sports because he has none of that. He's almost yeah. boring. He no. is boring. He's not almost. He is boring. So it's funny, me and Kuz driving this podcast were actually watching the press conference live yesterday after the show, and we were commenting on, on, on Leonard, you know, I mean, for, for the guy that is kind of the staple now of the Los Angeles Clippers, he was sitting on the last seat down the line, he was slouched over, and just didn't give the, the vibes that he wanted to be there. You know, he was wearing a shirt. I, I think it was an Affliction shirt from the 1990s. It was just, it was a lot of things going on with, it, with that press conference. But, you know, it's just, um, it's almost like he's so just awkward, but also down to earth and just, you know, the opposite of a Brig. I mean, he's just a humble dude that it's like the outlier now. Yeah. He's, he's almost like a throwback, yeah. if you will. And being a throwback nowadays, especially in the NBA, where all the cameras are on you all the time, uh, that makes you stand out even more. And I'm not around him. I've never been around him, sure. so I re- don't really know how to judge it. But it's like it's one of the two. It's like you really respect the fact that yeah. he's super humble and, and he stays out of all that stuff and yeah. he doesn't want all the attention. Uh, you know, And there are guys like that. I mean, look, I mean, Tim Duncan was like that, you know? No, for sure. Um, I, I think even to a degree, like a Tom Brady is like that. He's yeah. been more active on social media as of late, but for the first 20 years of his career, he was you didn't know where to find him. He could have been in a cave in Montana, yeah. and you would have no idea. So 
or I just don't know if he's actually just bizarre. No, you but, know, maybe he's just so different yeah. and bizarre. That's okay, but he's to just kind of different. To be fair, though, like, you know, some people will say, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a beer with Tom Brady. I mean, I, I, hey, I'll be honest. I'll have yeah. a beer with Tom Brady. I yeah. think it would be a great conversation. Uh, Kawhi Leonard doesn't top, doesn't even touch my top 5,000 people that I want to have a beer with. Gonna be honest with you. No offense to Kawhi Leonard, but I didn't have a beer with you, dude. I'm all good. Uh, Fallen for me, uh, could be the Dallas Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott situation. Where does this land and do they pay him, not pay him? It's really been, from the national standpoint, a big story. We haven't talked about it a lot, but they're in a tough situation on who to pay. They have so many guys to pay right now with Dak Prescott. Uh, Amari Cooper just got paid. Uh, All these young players kind of going together, and Ezekiel Elliott's a running back. He's so good, can be so good, but uh, do they pay him? And right now he wasn't on the team playing the Los Angeles. Well, it's going to be a big decision because if they do pay him what he wants, that's going to set the market for running backs. You know, people are saying running backs are kind of a dying commodity now. You don't really need the the bell cow running back. Well, if he gets paid like it, it's going to reset the whole uh, the whole cap again. Yeah, and uh, who knows if it'll be a no show uh, for camp? They uh, they they get going yeah. on Friday, so we'll see with the Ezekiel Elliott situation. Florida Gators got going today, media day. We'll stop in Gainesville next on ESPN six ninety. You know, obviously for all of our players, not just Nick, and for all the quarterbacks and everyone, you know, they're extremely high. And that's why we go and we make corrections and we push players. You know, we do that because we have high expectations of them. And in doing so, we're doing that so they can reach those. That's what we're trying to get done. Well, that's Doug Marone talking about expectations here for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2019. That was interesting. And and really, I mean, is this top down or what? I mean, this is... And and let's front load this with I can't play for these guys because the first rule is be on time. <laughs> we'll see you later, Brent. Yeah, yeah. The the second rule Thanks is trying. be prepared. Now I got you on that one. You're prepared. I can be man. prepared. Well, You're sometimes prepared. you do your homework. Uh, three, um, give full effort. Yes, which, I got what you. you do. I got you. Yeah, you're, you're back. You're back. And four, win. Focus on winning. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm focused on winning, but I'm Ratings still a long, doing okay. still a long Ra- way away Ratings from the tattoo. Doing good. Okay, yeah. Long way away yeah, from yeah, the tattoo. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, I don't know if these guys would want me on their team, but... Uh, be, I, being on time's that big yeah, one, That's a tough one. to be honest with you. Uh, no, I, I will say I've done pretty well here at three oh, no, for this 3 o'clock show. You're great. I'm Not too surprised many that I've done so well, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really surprised. We both, like, uh, flirt with... With the oh, top of that we, hour. we like living on the edge sometimes, <laughs> man. It makes us feel alive. Uh, I get it. Uh, uh, the That's the message to the team from Doug Marone. We're going to get yeah. to the Florida Gators in just a moment. But yep. these team meetings at the beginning, mm-hmm. i got to imagine, like, for a guy like Calais Campbell, he, like, must think about coming into the stadium. And he must be like, go through his mind. Yeah. And, uh, like, 12 years he's gotten these speeches. Sure. Right? That's yeah. the start. And it's a guy that he doesn't need a speech. I mean, he knows how to take care of himself. Doesn't need a speech. And, and I, listen, part of the coach, you better deliver something. You'd get criticized if you didn't deliver something. You have to. But I would think, like, Kalei, I, well, I put my mind in set, and Kalei is like, okay, I wonder what they're going to say today. Like, I wonder no, what this speech is going to be. No, 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 for sure. But at the same time, let's let's think about it like this, though, from that, from a different perspective. Where if you are Calais Campbell, if, if you're a veteran, you've pretty much seen everything now in the NFL and you're one of the leaders, uh, 
I don't care who you are. If if you're the leader of the team, if if you're a JJ Watt, whoever, I mean, name your player who's the leader. But some there's some days, you know, when you're a little banged up and you're in the dog days of summer where things become very mundane and maybe you aren't 100. percent You know, maybe you're just there, kind of. Oh man, I feel kind of going through the motions today. Well, that's where you know those speeches that come during the meetings that motivate you. Um, they're effective because as a leader, it's your job. Uh, as a captain, it's your responsibility to, to motivate the younger guys, you know, to, to, get, to get everybody on the same page, to get those guys right. Because, yes, the coach's job is to monitor the locker room and make sure everybody's on the same page. But the, the, the leaders and the captains reinforce that. And if some of your leaders or your captains are kind of like, oh, man, here we go again, well, that's bad news. So uh, I understand what you're saying, Brent, where sometimes I think, you know, Clarence Campbell comes there just like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but, but but there's some days, regardless of, you know, what kind of player you are, uh, how many years you have underneath your belt, where you do need to hear things like that. You so so from that perspective, I think it's great what Doug Marone's doing. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, I want to talk about Doug Marone a little bit more in a couple minutes. But let's uh, – I, I said we'd go to Gainesville. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Florida Gators. Gators getting going here, and, and again, they get a jump on things because they're playing in that game, the, the game that got moved up against Miami August 24th, which is now a month away, a month from yesterday. So, uh, in typical media day. I mean, it's just Gators media day. But the expectation level, you know, in football in general, this time of year, is everybody's like, I got high hopes. And if you don't think you're going to win the whole thing, you got high hopes that you have a fun season and a good season, an overachieving season. Well, that's what Dan Mullen did last year. They had high hopes that they could turn this thing around, but they also turned it into these this turnaround season and overachieving season that was a lot of fun for Gator fans. That's a great thing. What it does, though, is set the bar pretty high because in year two, well, now you have to try to exceed it. And I've yeah. talked a lot about that. And Dan Mullen's talked about that. At SEC Media Days, he talked getting from 4 to 10 and 10 to 11. You'd think it was easier to get from 10 to 11? Yeah. Might not be the case. Well, and this is an interesting season too, and I'm not sure if it's because you know we we, we cover the Florida Gators here, so we're they're always under uh, kind of like our microscope. But, but I feel like there, there's been a lot of distractions uh, during the off season for for the Florida Gators, whether it's guys transferring the transfer portal, guys getting in trouble. Um, and I don't, don't want to say Mullen has lost that team because that's not what even close what I'm trying to say. But I'm saying there has been some of the distractions. Um, and I, granted, every team goes through those, but I think there's been more than usual for the Florida Gators this this off season. And when you're talking about an offensive line who is untested, that has to protect the quarterback who has been up and down, who's a lot of hype around this year, and then you face some of this adversity, some of this uh, distractions uh, with some of the younger guys. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens going forward. Yeah, and I think listen, they. They've had some distractions, and I think a lot of college football teams do. And I think really what's interesting about their distractions is we're going to welcome in Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber in a moment, uh, right now actually. Uh, he was in Gainesville today, and moment he's back in passed. the Action Sports Jack studios, and he's running around like crazy back there at CBS 47, Fox 30, getting a lot of these shows ready. Uh, but I, I think it was more perceived issues from like recruiting because recruiting goes oh you got a guy you got a four-star five-star guy oh we got momentum highs and then oh no that guy flipped or that guy doesn't want to go or that guy can't get in oh no everything's gone bad i mean it's all or nothing in recruiting for like a three-day window and so you ride that roller coaster as a college football fan and yet reality inside is i think they still have some of the momentum from last year it might not feel it on the outside like it did feel the weeks after they beat the heck out of Michigan in the bowl game, but I still think they do take that momentum. 
Stuart Weber, let us know. Did you feel any of that momentum? What's the vibe in Gainesville right now as they get ready for this thing? Yeah, I certainly got a, a little bit of that sense uh, where you're talking about, you know, riding a little momentum from last year. I know at uh, SEC Media Days, the, the great quote that came out about, you know, how it's so much harder to go from 10 wins to 11 than it was to even go from 4 to 10, which is what they did. I think a, a big thing that Coach Mullen was uh, talking about today was dealing with adversity. And usually when you think dealing with adversity, you think positive adversity or negative adversity, excuse me. But he was talking more about positive adversity, about, you know, kind of what happens when you win, what happens to your psyche, what happens to the way you think when you're out there doing better than you expected. And certainly being able to deal with not only the bad stuff that happens, but also the good stuff that happens and, and how your team can kind of harness it instead of letting it overpower you a bit. Hey, Stuart, you're pretty good at this segue stuff. We have that from Dan Mullen. Oh. Let's hear it from the coach himself. When good things happen to us, can we keep the chip on our shoulder and the grind mentality to continue to work harder to get better? When bad things happen to us, can we focus on getting back to work and making the things that we need to do to be better? Uh, and do we have the, that belief in ourselves that we can be a great team? You know, when we get put in a situation in the big game where we got to go make a play to win. Do we have the confidence and we expect to do that? You know, the margins like that, the margin gets really tiny. And do we have that mental toughness to handle if the, the you know the failure of things going bad and the mental toughness to finish and the confidence in ourselves to make plays and, and to think that we can be a championship team. I love the psychology of sports and think about what Stewart said and then right into what Dan Mullen said and what he's talking about. And it again we can equate it to a lot of different things. Like I equate that the Jags did not know how to handle the success of 2017 as a core group of young players. Now, did one guy or two guys, but as a team, they didn't do a great job, whether that got lost in the offseason, whether they got a little too high on themselves. Again, Dan Mullen just said it, fine line. And sure. so I think the Gators have to be a little bit aware of that and cautious of that to say, hey, we might, you got to always check yourself and say we hit the reset button. Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, trying to carry momentum. I actually liken it to being on the golf course, okay. right? Yeah. And, and there's an immediate momentum if you have it. Yeah. Right there's an immediacy about hey if I just made a birdie or a par and I hit the ball well now I got a confidence going the next hole and I can maybe do it again. Well, it's different in football because there's nothing immediate about carrying over momentum. That that thing happened 8 months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing here in Jacksonville from 2017 to 2018. So I think what he speaks about is very interesting. How do you handle the successes short and long term? How do you handle the failures? And it's easier in the a lot of times to handle the failures, don't you think? I mean, you've well, done this so, before. So, I mean, you get motivated well, by failure. But but here's the thing, Brent, and I'm going to actually go on the opposite route here that, that you discussed. So you said that the Jaguars couldn't handle winning in 2017, and that's where the problems were. I disagree. I think the problems were when they had that adversity, they didn't know how to respond to it. Because you think about that 2017 season. They were coming off a year previous where... Didn't do the two two. Everything much, was right? bad. Everything yeah. was bad. So they had and the chip. Yeah, that they had the chip, and everyone was expecting them to be like, all right, you know, they they, they may go five hundred, but the expectations I think were pretty were set pretty low. Now, yes, they faced some adversity um, throughout two thousand seventeen, but for the most part, they're winning a lot more and having success in the field than they were losing. Okay, so now let's fast forward to this past season. Uh, things are looking pretty good. There's a lot of hype around this year, though. You know, they went to the AFC Championship game. Miles Jack wasn't down. You know, one play away from going to the Super Bowl. Everybody was picking the, the Jaguars. Everybody on the bandwagon. They killed the Patriots week two. Everything was looking great. And all of a sudden, they start losing some games that they should have won. 
and they start facing some adversity, and that snowballed, and they couldn't stop it. So w- while you say, well, maybe it's, it's that they couldn't handle the winning, I say they couldn't handle the losing. And it, it's kind of it's it's two sides of the same coin. Cause it, it's adversity either way, but it's a different thing. And like what Dan Mullen's talking about here, where he's saying we have to be careful how we handle the adversity with having a very successful season. That's great and fantastic and everything, but you have to keep in mind too as well, Coach Mullen, where there are a lot of distractions this off season and not in a good way. How are you guys going to handle those distractions as well? Yeah, you know, Stuart, as we bring you back in here. Uh, I, I think what Mullen has going for him on this topic is there's the Georgia Bulldogs, and there's Alabama. And you could have a good season, and they did. They overachieved. but they, And they picked up believers along the way. But I still think there's enough naysayers out there. There's enough say, all right, do it again. And I'm probably on the, all right, do it again to see where they're at. But there's also <laughs> that Georgia team that's won the East a couple years in a row and Bama who's Bama. And so that's a constant reminder to his team. And so you can at least get the message. All right, man, uh, Band-Aid on the face. What happened to Mullen there? Uh, I just saw that briefly, <laughs> so I didn't really uh, read too much about it. And also the quarterback situation. What do you have to say about it? So I tweeted out, and be sure to follow at Stuart A.S. Jacks for well, that's where I saw all it. the latest tweets. And I retweeted it. He just said he bumped into a, into something. He said he, he bumped it, and uh, and that was enough for a Band-Aid, apparently. Hmm. I, I knew I, – I, I was amazed. It was like the fifth question asked. How is that not question 1A? Yeah. Like what you got, the, yeah, what are they doing? You well, got you got to lead with what is up with the band-aid, coach. And then how how wasn't question 1B are you sure you actually hit a wall or something else happened? <laughs> I mean, for real, at least, you know, well, you don't want to be the Florida coach that lies about stuff in a press oh. conference, so <laughs> you don't want that to happen. Um, Very good line. Very I was good I was thinking he I might have like headbutted a, a locker or maybe a player who was already wearing a helmet. I don't know, something cool, something exciting. Not I bumped into a wall. I think that was your tweet, right? He got so excited yeah. that he hit something. Yeah, uh, you know, about the, about it's football the, uh, season. season. But uh, to, all right, uh, quarterbacks, yeah. man. What, what do you have to say? I mean, it's really all about Felipe Franks. I don't even think we have to uh, put plural on quarterback. Uh, it, where does he see Felipe Franks? It, it was interesting because uh, it was kind of a cool way that they did the the player portion of today's media day. They spread everybody out nicely, so it was a lot easier to get the the one on ones with guys. And not a lot of people were talking to Kyle Trask because, as you said, <laughs> it is Felipe's show. I mean, this is this is Franks's chance to shine. This is his team. This is his offense. And it was interesting to me, and maybe you call it the, the Dan Mullen effect, but there was a lot more talk about offense than there was about defense. And I feel like with the Gators the past however many years, you know, you've you've been able to talk about all the good things that the defense is ready to do. And, oh, what about all these question marks on offense? When the only real big question mark right now is that offensive line, which is going to be really young because a lot of guys graduated or left a year ago, including Jawan Taylor now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the offensive line certainly a question, but you look at the receiving core that Felipe is going to have to throw to, and it's being regarded as one of the better ones in the SEC because they have experience, because they proved they could do it in a game one year ago, and they've got depth. They've got a ton of guys that Dan Mullen can kind of draw up those plays for for Felipe to find them and really take advantage of that. And Mullen made the point, he's like, hey, last year, remember when wide receivers was the biggest question mark on this team? Well, they went out, they did the work, and they proved it that they are a viable unit and they they can play. And so now it's being perceived as one of the strengths of this team. So kind of a cool turnaround there for the receivers, and that in turn obviously is going to help Felipe Franks, who – Dan Mullen was saying, you know, we're, we're hoping that they put in all this work on timing and routes that we're at the point now 
if we put Felipe out there, put a blindfold on him, tell him which receiver is running it out, he's going to know how to hit him without seeing him. So that would be amazing. Uh, hopefully <laughs> throughout the course of the college football season, Felipe isn't blindfolded at any point. Um we shall see how that all goes and if Felipe can take advantage of this rapport he's now building with these veteran guys that he's been able to throw with for more than a year now in Mullen's system. That's a cool illustration, though. I mean, the blindfold analogy, and and see, because it really, if he's willing to go there, Dan Mullen is, and he must be real comfortable in the grasp of the offense from Felipe Franks, and that's a real big part of it, of course. Um, so he can make quicker decisions and good decisions. He's got so much physical talent, Felipe Franks. It's going to be a fun story to watch Franks, really, to see where he can take his game. And you said it, the skill positions at Florida are not a problem. They've got a lot of talent there. They've got a lot of maybe stars there. Uh, we'll see where they go, but Felipe is a big part of helping making them stars here's dan mullen on the quarterback and the progress uh, in gainesville to me that's always the biggest one you know is is your progress at the quarterback position especially coming back over the summer because those are the guys that i want to see have developed and put a lot of extra work in over the summer you know and that gets to the timing uh of routes you know i say hey boy we should be able to go out there i should be able to put a blindfold on you and tell you who the receiver is, and you can go throw that ten-yard outcut type of deal. You know what I mean? And that—that's how in tune you are with those with with your receivers. Oh, there's Dan Mullen talking about. Hey, Stuart, you listened really well today. It's almost like I was there for the press conference, <laughs> and then I edited the audio from the press conference, but forgot that we were tossing to the press conference and thus repeated everything he would say in said sound. Well, no, it's all right. That's good. It just punches it home. I mean, it's, it's what's you, more impressive you, than anything. I think that yeah. you listened is a good thing. Uh, so, hey, Miami to start. I, I love it, right? I mean, players love it. The fact that it's a game that they get that game off the top, they'll be heavily, I think, heavily favored, uh, whatever you want to characterize that as. But th- they should win that game on paper. Coming off the year, they're coming off new coach in my- at Miami. Uh, Miami does have some talent, too. Uh, but it is an important game for Florida. Uh, could you sense that at all, talking to the players today, that, yeah, they're excited about it, but like there's not wiggle room here. Like, a loss is not okay in Orlando on August 24th in Miami. Yeah, and as much for the you know competitive nature of the season as well as the fact that we've got a ton of South Florida guys playing for the Florida Gators that don't want to lose those bragging rights to their friends that are playing for the Miami Hurricanes or the people they grew up with who are all fans of the U. So you could certainly get that sense from the South Florida guys we spoke with. Um, I didn't really get it from Felipe, but Felipe tends to keep an even keel as is. Uh, so he managed to hide any emotions about whether or not this one was really getting him excited or not. But he does that with everything, so that's pretty pretty standard stuff there for Felipe. But, yeah, you got to think that this one means a, a lot more for these players uh, going up against the Miami Hurricanes because it's not an every-year thing. It's not something you can be like, oh, well, we'll get them next year. Let's let's move towards that. You don't know you know, the next time that you're going to lace it up against these guys. And this is one that the fan base and the players and everybody involved with both programs is going to be able to hang on to for a little while. Hey, uh, one last thing before we go. We've got about 60 seconds or maybe even less. Uh, any news kind of of the day? out of there i mean uh from injury standpoint to uh any of these transfers and eligibility anything that that jumped out uh for gator fans yeah i I think people can be excited about noah banks the offensive lineman it seems to sound like he's going to be able to go and uh you know he's been coming back from injuries and what have you to to get to that point and uh, a lot of excitement about greener the the transfer guy from louisville 
and just what he can bring to the program, having already been familiar with Todd Grantham from his days with the Cardinals to now being able to jump right back into it with the Gators as a graduate transfer. Uh, so some excitement there. Uh, outside of that, I mean, they're they're rocking and rolling and ready for Miami. The one bad thing about Miami, it's a week earlier, so fall camp started a week earlier and thus made it today the first day of training camp. Yes, it did. Uh, nice job getting to Gainesville. Uh, team coverage tonight on 1st and 10, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Stuart will have a report from Gainesville, and uh, he's working on all the rest of our stuff here tonight. When we come back here from Jags headquarters, Marcel Darius takes on Austin Lane. Ooh, that would be a match in a cage. It's next. So obviously we know about um, Yannick, right? So let's address that. It's really part of this business, what goes on. It's the business side of it. I stay out of it. I always have. Um, I've been in touch with Yannick. We've been talking to him. Um, And then, again, it's just between uh, Yannick and his agent, management, contracts. You know, he's trying to get this thing done. We're trying to get this thing done. Uh, he's going to come. He'll be. He'll report. I, I don't know when. I, I know it'll be before a certain date. And when he comes, we'll be excited about it. Well, that's Doug Marone this morning, like early this morning, about 8.15. <laughs> that's a long time ago now, yeah. uh, talking about the Yannick Ngakwe situation. I think the last uh, maybe six, seven seconds of that is really what captured my attention. And we know he's going to report, and he's going to be here. Uh, whenever that date is, which the date he was referring to, I think, he didn't share this with everybody, but there is a lot of talk today amongst ourselves, if you will, out on that practice field, is that August 5th and 6th date is so important. From an unrestricted to restricted free agent and the tender, that the all those things that go into it, that that's really the date that's being talked about. So could we see Anik Ngakwe sit for the next week, week and a half? Yeah. Uh, it certainly could be the case. Do people believe that Yannick Ngakwe come August 10th, August 12th, whatever the date, throw a date out there after August 6th, is is not going to be here? Well, there's not a lot of belief that's going to be the case. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, I understand that. At the same time, though, uh, you have to remember where if he was to sign a new deal, whether it's before August or after August, I mean, those fines that he's going to you know, accrue over time, I mean, usually when you're talking about a new contract, those fines just kind of go into the table. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it's not a fine a big, thing. It's yeah. more of a... Just the restricted. The restricted, yeah. because it's a leverage play. Yeah, it right? is. Right? I mean, if I make you an unrestricted free agent, well, now you're free to anybody. The only thing holding you, the only play the team has is to reach a deal or franchise tag. And now that's yeah. still a pretty powerful play. Mm-hmm. But if you go to restricted free agency, well, now all of a sudden someone's going to sign you and give up draft pick, a draft yeah, pick, and sh- a high draft pick most likely, well, that's a total different ballgame. That doesn't sound like much maybe sitting here mm-hmm. on July 25th, but if you take this to March and you start playing that, if you're Yannick Ngakwe in his camp, I think that is a big factor. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big trump card here for the Jacksonville Jaguars over the next two weeks and big motivation, most likely, for Yannick Ngakwe to get here. Now, here's the deal. And I think everybody believes, hopes for this. There is not a lot of t- talk right now mm-hmm. besides the, b- with these two mm-hmm. sides. There isn't. Um, I can tell you that. But I do think everybody around here, and I think obviously the hope for Team Ngakwe, is to get something done. And so you really have, you've, in my opinion now, you have until about August 5th yeah. to kind of, all right, Let's uh, let's let's have a group hug here. Yeah. Let's come to figure out what I want, what you want. Let's uh, 
and let's make something happen. And a lot of times in negotiations, that won't happen maybe until August 3rd or 4th because you're running up against the deadline. Let me ask you this quick. So we, we said stalemate, and that's kind of the narrative being thrown around. No, it's, it's a stalemate. You know, it is. Uh, they're, they're both I stuck mean, in their ways, and no one's budging. Talk to a lot of people the last couple of days. Yeah, it's a stalemate, it's a stalemate right stalemate. now. So... And, and, and I say this term very loosely, but who, who's going to cave first? You know, and, and I say cave, but at the end of the day, if this contract gets done, you know, both sides are going to win. So I mean, I don't want to call it really caving. Yeah, yeah. But who, who's going to give it first? Yeah. Well, and here's the deal. Here's the thing. I believe mm-hmm. it, the more and more I think about this, and we had a great discussion yesterday in the five o'clock hour. You raised an interesting point. Who is hurt more by Yannick not playing this year? Well, that's a different story. In terms of who has to go to the table next, I said this yesterday. The ball is in Yannick Ngakwe's court. The Jags have made an offer, and, and you know, varying opinions what that is. I still believe it's a four-year deal worth somewhere between seventy-five and eighty million dollars. Uh, and they have made that offer, or, or an offer similar, or whatever offer they have, and that wasn't good for Team Ngakwe. And so that's where it's like, that was kind of a take-it-or-leave-it feel, at least the sense I get. Yep. That's where it's at. So I think the ball is in, in Gakwe's court. Does he want to reach out and say, hey, this is why we're upset with this deal. We want more guaranteed money. We want a five-year deal or a three-year deal. Or uh, we want $21 million a year. Let's, you know, We might have asked for $22 million, but we really want to get it to 20 yeah. You know, Whatever it might be. I mean, again, I don't know those, those, those discussions. But you can kind of fill in the blanks on where she might be off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about it at length. There is something to maybe getting to that $20 million mark. Yes. You know, maybe even if I'm the agent, I'm asking for $22 million. Absolutely. That's his job. Mm-hmm. But there might be something about that $20 million that from a principal standpoint, and Gakwe, his agent, whoever else, says, man, we can't take less than that. I don't, I don't have comfortable taking less than exactly. that. Exactly. So then I just don't think this thing is going to not get done over, say, a half a million or a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Three or four million dollars a year. Now, you might be off. Yeah. You know, $10 million in guaranteed money, you might be off. But I don't see this thing not getting done or held up for the next and, and becoming such a big problem over a half a million bucks a year yeah. or even maybe a million dollars a year. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But right now, it's getting held up because they're not even talking. Well, and I understand, and I understand that you know you say that the ball's in Ngakwe's court right now, and and there may be some truth to that. But at the same time, who's to say that they didn't see the offer, absolutely despised it, took the ball, and was like, no, we're, we're not signing. We'll throw the ball back to you, and you give us something better, or we're we're sitting out. You know what I mean? It, it can go back and forth either it way. It can. But, 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 but yeah, like we said, but the, I get the it sense that Jags did that. Yeah. And I don't. Know, I mean, you've been around this stuff, yeah. you know, a lot closer. But I get, I just get the sense Jags are like, hey, this is what we got. Yeah. And and that's it. Now it might be a simple chess pass from Yannick and Gakwe to get this thing back rolling. Yeah. Maybe it's a bounce pass. Yeah. yeah. Into the post. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 not like this. Uh, you know, we don't need a Magic Johnson no look here. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> it might be simplistic. Hey, it's uh, five o'clock. Uh, opening a training camp. Reason to celebrate Doug Marone's birthday, right? Uh, yeah. Well, let's celebrate with a little happy hour horn. Vita de Louis.
grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. And someday we'll raise a toast. Someday soon, hopefully, to that contract extension for Yannick Ngakwe. We'll we see. Uh, Vita de Luis, a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuis.com and drink responsibly. You know, every time I say a uh, uh, no-look pass, yes. all I think about is Magic Johnson, that pass down the lane. Oh, of course, Oh, man, man it's like this. Uh, I hated the Lakers, but I don't know how you can love that pass. Respect man, that pass was pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, other quick headlines, and we're going to get to your interview with Marcel Darius. Uh, Telvin Smith. Doug Marone said this morning he has not talked to him. He's on that reserve retired list, but sure. he still has not talked to him. I find that crazy. Why? 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 Uh, but it's still the case, and uh, I told you earlier in the week it does not look like uh, Telvin Smith's going to change his mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Although we talked about it last week and almost find it unfathomable that, that this guy was going to sit out a year, it looks like it's going to happen, and communication has still been pretty limited uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars and none at all with the head coach, Doug Marone. Miles Jack missed today's practice because he got sick overnight uh, and he wanted to practice. Doug Marone said, no, no, you're not. Jake Ryan set back from that recovering from an ACL. So right now the linebacker, they have some linebacker issues, some short-term, like a sickness from Miles Jack, and others like Telvin Smith that we've been talking about for the last five or six months. Uh, Those are some of the headlines today as practice gets started for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Your headline guy today is Marcel Darius. He's a fun dude, isn't he? Oh, he's a fantastic dude, and it's a dude I obviously I spent some time in the league with. Uh, Never played on the same team as him, but I, you know, obviously knew about him. Um, You know, from a perspective of playing that one technique and three technique, uh, two underrated positions, but but a guy that gets the job done and who's uh, who's done a lot here in Jacksonville so far. Uh, We talked a little bit about everything today. We were interrupted by Taven Bryan actually a little bit, so (laughs) I was going to pick with Taven Bryan. But Taven usually likes to stay away from the microphone. Oh no, he was all about trying to give me crap and him crap. But uh, but I'll tell you what though, man. I mean, I left the interview feeling a lot of ways. Obviously, Marcel is uh, is wise beyond his years. I think it's a guy that is older than me. He's actually only like 29 years old, you know. So then I feel old. But uh, also with Taven Bryan, um, he says something I want you to listen to. Taven Bryan reminds me a lot of myself as a rookie and a second year guy, and we kind of talk about that a little bit too here. So All right, uh, Marcel Darius and Austin Lane one on one would be a heck of a cage match. Although I think Marcel <laughs> would be the super heavyweight. Yes, he would at over 315 pounds, but that guy can move like he's 250. He's a heck of an athlete and been a really good player in the NFL. Austin Lane and Marcel Darius, and uh, this guy does own a Brinks truck, by the way. Marcel, kind of like the first day of school over again, man. How's it treating you? It's not bad. Just get my notes. Shoot, just ready to go. Checking out, checking who's all in the class, making sure everybody's um, punctual and doing what they're supposed to do. Oh my gosh, uh, you know, childish kids like that. Um, but we just having fun, man. First day, nothing too crazy. You know how it is. This Jacksonville heat. <laughs> so you're uh, you're going through your ninth season right now, first year 2011. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to your to your, yourself as a rookie, what advice would you give him regarding training camp? Oh man, I'm giving it to him right now. <laughs> I mean, just take it easy. Um, just not not just be not so uptight. Not don't get too anxious. I mean, just don't let don't let it get to your head. Just go out and have fun. Because the first day you're kind of nervous. You. You got conditioning, you got all the coaches get to see you after a while, and you're just a little nervous about it, but just calm down, roll through it, everything's fine. Well, and it was very noticeable. Like, I was talking to some people today, and you look 
to be in the best shape that you've ever been before, man. Um, especially going through individual when I was watching you. I mean, what, what do you attest to that? Like, how do you approach the off season now, going into your ninth season? I mean, do you hit it as hard as you ever did, or is it more of just kind of recouping and then prepping when you get the training camp? Oh man, my, I have three. I have four kids, three boys and a girl. Yeah. They keep me busy. Um, I just really watch what I eat. And I always try to. I got to the point where I forget meals that I had, but prior to my other meals, I was eating so much. But now I remember my last meals, and I always kind of stay focused on what I'm eating. And outside of that, just always staying active. Always. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of hype going into last year. You know, there, there was a lot of good energy. Um, you guys underachieved a little bit, many would say. Going into this year, do you notice a difference between this year and last year of uh, how the attitude is on the field, especially for day one of training camp? Of course, of course. Uh, a lot of the guys are so linked in. Um, they're so sound. I always we use like we're still gelling together. Um, of course, it's been the beginning of training camp, and the guys are so in tune with each other now. And I just can't wait to see what the finishing product look like. So when we go out there and we showcase what we got, and I can't—I'm excited myself. So I don't—I really don't know. So you—you know better than anybody. You always see fresh faces on the team, uh, and there's some fresh faces on the coaching staff this year. Don Capers being one of those—a guy who brings a lot of experience uh, to, to that defense. I mean, do you see that he's got kind of a fingerprint on this defense, or is it more he's behind the scenes, um, so you don't see him as much? Oh, uh, he's in—he's in our face. Um, I really had no idea who he was and how he ran things. Um, but after talking with him for a while and got his background and have a better understanding, I mean, he's a pillar of the league right now. And he's a pillar of the league just in this defense alone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thrown back like he's with us and we can ask him those various difficult questions that you just couldn't get from here and he'll put it in a way that he can make you understand it because he didn't dealt with so many players and so many guys. So it's just interesting to have him around. Uh, I have to mention Yannick Ngakwe, you know, the, the holdouts continuing. Um, how, how does that affect that whole D-line room? You know, I mean, a very vocal leader, um, just a leader in general for you guys. I mean, is it one of those things where you just have to let him do his thing and you guys got to continue, or do you kind of listen to what's going on at the, at the same time? Oh, man, we love the got to death. I mean, our, our D-line is just really that close. Um, and that's all we really thinking about. Like, he was in Miami working out. A couple of us went down there, worked out with him, let him know we got his back. Team got his back. Um, when you when you ready, when you get back, we're gonna be here for you, and we're gonna bust our butts, and we know you busting your butt as well. But you, he has to handle his responsibilities, and that's that's outside of us. And at the same time, we're excited for him to still be with us. Can't wait to hear he arrive, and we're gonna just continue to have fun. Few more questions for you. you. You mentioned kind of being the mentor to the little kids out here. Uh, Taven Bryan walked by, said something to you. Um, can you talk about the progression of Taven Bryan a little bit? I saw him out here. Uh, he looks fast. I mean, granted, it's day one of training camp, but it looks like he looks a lot more confident this year going into the season. How do you feel about Taven Bryan? Um, just really happy he he came in this year, understanding that he doesn't have the weight of the whole team or the whole defense or people looking at him like this, that, and the third. We're just like Taven, relax, bro. It's just. You got you got plenty of time, man. You got all the ability. You got all, you're smart. You know what you're doing. Just slow it down. Just take it easy. Don't get anxious. Just kind of let things happen, man. And it's gonna come. So he's rushing. He wants to be ready. He wants to play. And he's all the way there. He just gotta slow it down. And just and he just fall right in the suit. Jalen Ramsey yesterday shows up in a Brinks truck. I understand that you own a Brinks truck. Why didn't Jalen Ramsey ask you to borrow yours, man? And what possessed you to get a Brinks truck in the first place? Um, and but first I got the Brinks truck. It was it's cold in Buffalo, and I went, um, they gave me they gave me the bag, so 
I wanted my kids. We wanted. Uh, I wanted a van or something I can put my kids in for. Um, before the game, tailgate. Guys come to the bus and tailgate. And I didn't want to. I didn't want a van, so I wanted something different. And I went out, found this um, auto and auto trader, and kind of took me like three, four months. We tricked it out, and we're constantly doing things with it. Um, but why he didn't ask me, I don't know. I, mine do, does look better than what he has um, that he had on there. But hey, I'm happy he pulled it out because I did the same thing. Hey, smart man. How's the how's how the gas mileage on that Brink truck that you got though? Be honest. I got two 40 gallon tanks. I can go oh, to California. <laughs> Road trip then. I got you. All right, one final question for you. I saw you after uh, after practice getting some extra cardio out there on the bike. I mean, do you have aspirations to do like the Tour de France or something? Because dude, it's it's the first day of training camp and you're on the bike pedaling about 10 miles. It looked like. I mean. You know how the big dudes, we don't like to run. Yeah, yeah. And when I jump up and down, it's, it's just gravity is something against me. I don't know what it is. So I get on the bike to just work my hips, keep my heart rate, and it just saved my career. So I always try to get on the bike an extra five, ten minutes. Um, it's just so it's just good for me. I just don't want to run, to be honest. Well, I'll be honest, man. Gravity may not agree with you, but, but your first step is better than everybody else in the league, man. So you just keep doing that first step, and you'll be all right. That was Austin Lane with uh, Marcel Darius. How fun was that? Fantastic, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of he is fun. It's kind of cool to put a face to the name because I've talked to him before on the radio show, but I've never met him in person. So uh, yeah, I mean, he was super cool, man. It was super cool with the interview, and I had fun. I forgot about that. We had him on. I think during Players Week. We right? did. Yeah, uh, he jumped yes. on with us. He's yes. a fun guy. You know, he said he got the bag, and then he got the Brink struck. I, I loved his explanation for the Brink struck, which yeah. I never asked him about that. Yeah. Uh, the word is he's got like uh, uh, a hanger. Yeah. And Buffalo or something. Yeah. Full of cars. Yeah. And vehicles. Yep. And, well, he could afford a lot of them mm-hmm. uh, because with the bills, he signed a six-year deal worth $60 million guaranteed. Sure. And uh, it could have reached $95 million. I don't know. Which, what year would that be? 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. So he's probably in year five of that because the Jags assumed some of that, then just restructured it. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to get a lot of that money, is my point. Yeah. Um, and he's got a ton of money. You know, fun guy to be around. But I do think because of the position he plays, he doesn't get a lot of talk. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we do a show like tonight in Jaguars All Access, Jeff Lagerman will break him down and he'll show you from chasing a play some 30, 35 yards down the field, yeah. and you have to remind yourself that's a 320-pound guy running. Exactly. It's really impressive. Exactly. You know? And and like we talked about today, I was very impressed with his – I mean, he's always had the great get-off. That's why he's so good at football yeah. players because his first step, his ability to get off the ball is what makes him successful. But um, it's like we talked about, Brent, the first day of training camp, and the guy was going all out an individual, and he was looking good. He was looking lean. And uh, I couldn't help myself, but when we were talking about Taven Bryan, um, I literally had deja vu because I remember Jeremy Mincy setting me down my rookie year and telling me the exact same thing that Taven uh, – that. Marcel Darius was talking about with Taven Bryan, where he said, listen, you just got to slow down, and it'll all come to you, but you got to slow down and take your time. And Mintz told me the same thing over and over again. Now, did I really slow down? Not really. No, because I, I really only had one speed, unfortunately. But um, it, I couldn't help but feel a little bit of deja vu when, when he was talking about Taven Bryan as well. It's a hard thing to do. It is. Uh, in this profession especially, but exactly. in a lot of professions, is to convince yourself that that might be the way, better route. Be especially, patient, especially slow down. When, when you're a high-energy guy like I think Taven Bryan and is he is, as yeah, well. for that yeah. motor. Yes. Uh, Darius, by the way, 37 career sacks. I think he could have more. Just he, It goes in and out of 
what do they need you to do? And here in Jacksonville, they haven't asked him to go get six sacks a year necessarily. Yeah. It's more stop that run. Exactly. And now he can go do that, go get to the pass uh, quarterback too. Yeah. But uh, really a, a fantastic career and still right in the middle of it. Absolutely. Even nine years in, he's 29 years old, uh, and he could have another big year ahead for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fun stuff with Austin Lane and Marcel Darius. When we come back, how about a little stay in your lane and more from Jags Camp as we're live at Jags headquarters here on the opening day of Training Camp 2019 right here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, this was my, my second time throwing. Uh, my other time throwing was with my wife. Um, she ran some routes, and my brother-in-law caught a few. I just I always, you know, in the offseason, you know, guys have different routines. Um, I always like getting away from it a little bit. I want to, you know, first day back. I, we tossed it around a little yesterday. QBs did. I'll take that back. So third time. But I just love, like, the first day. Like, you can't, I want to be, like, I want to be so excited to throw. And there were some signs of rust uh, from Nick Foles at times today. But, I mean, that's just the first day of practice. I would chalk it up to. Uh, he said he takes that month off, and he wasn't kidding. Uh, a little more than five <laughs> weeks, only threw a couple of times. Uh, uh, I wonder if his wife can catch. She, what route did she run? I mean, one would think she's probably going to do like a like a 10-yard maybe hook or something okay. like that. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, are you really trying to make your wife run fly patterns? Because I don't think mine would be into that. She'd be like... Do you call up a teammate? Yeah, you do the old, you say to the uh, the kid, like, yeah. keep going, keep going, oh, yeah, keep, keep going. going. And then just never throw it. I, <laughs> be honest, have you done it to your son before? Uh, no, but I feel like I've done it to a run. little kid. I don't think I've done it to them, but I feel like I have so done, done it to a little kid. So you've done it to someone else's little kid you've yeah, done probably. that to. What do you mean, yeah, I might probably. have been like a cousin or something. Okay, know. at least you know the person. That's just some random kid who wanted to get your autograph, and you're like, all right, all right, slugger, <laughs> yes. go deep and see what happens. There are a lot of those kids, by the way, that line up uh, and want to get hey, an autograph. I, I saw that sawgrass, man. <laughs> Brett Martin along with Austin Lane here. We are live at Jags headquarters uh, on the opening day of training camp 2019. We've got a little bit of everything going on uh, behind us. Uh, these guys from Action News Jags have been working hard getting our show ready for Jaguars All Access tonight. Jeff Lagerman will join me live from uh, TIAA Bank Field as we open up 2019 season Jaguars All Access. Next week we'll be at Mellow Mushroom and Thursdays during the season at Mellow Mushroom, but tonight we are hosting it here from Jags headquarters because training camp just got underway. That's coming up tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. We have Stay in Your Lane. We are going to get some to some Nick Foles reaction. And I have a thought or two and want to get your thoughts on Doug Marone before we end the show. So a lot to get to. Let's go to Stay in Your Lane first. Stay in Your Lane's going global here for the first oh. time ever talking a little Tour de France. Uh, <laughs> and by talking well, you Tour already de did that with Marcel Darius earlier. Oh, uh, that's a good point. I mean, seriously, the guy was on the bike for like 20 minutes. Yeah, what did I comment about? And I'm interrupting you now. No, but you he, said, said, he said it saves my career. Yeah, it He did. obviously thinks the, uh, the bike... Yeah, works well Which, for him. Hey, man, uh, if that's what it takes, so be it. More props to yeah. you. And, and I, listen, I had no problem waiting for him after the – because I had to wait for him to finish the bike. But it's all good. Next time, I'm going on the bike with him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, yeah, so talking about the Tour de France. Uh, talking about Julian, uh, and I've asked you to help me with his Come name. On, you got this. Let's do it. Ala Felipe. Yeah. Nailed it. Very good. Um, finished the good. race in first place. And for all uh, all you casual bike fans out there, uh, if you're in first place, you get a yellow jersey. Yellow that, jersey. That's very coveted. Lance Armstrong wore that a couple times. And you usually get tested. Yes, then you get tested. <laughs> and sometimes you pass, sometimes you fail. But the, but the 27-year-old Frenchman um, noticed when he was getting interviewed after the race wearing the yellow jersey that there was a child there that was wearing a T-shirt that was shivering from a from a small rainstorm that kind of took that went through the, the event. And 
um, basically, Alaphilippe took it upon himself to stop the interview and give the child his yellow oh, really? uh, jersey <laughs> that's to, cool. to keep him warm. Yeah, so, dude, that's like... I mean, that, that's, that's gold. That's prestigious, man. Yeah, that, it that, is. That's like Tom Brady walking to the sidelines and giving his jersey to some kid who got Gatorade dumped on him or something like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Nice so, gesture. Yeah, so shout out to Alaphilippe. I don't think for, the kid has to get tested. No, the kid doesn't have to get tested. You never know, Brent. <laughs> you never know. But uh, shout out to Alaphilippe for uh, the nice gesture. Uh, obviously, a great memory for the kid that is going to last a lifetime. Uh, I'm sure he asked for the jersey back eventually, but who knows? They, they, they might make him in dozens. So uh, props to him. Pump your brakes. You ready for this one? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, so we talked about Agent Peterson yesterday a little bit, yep. remember? Losing $100 million. Losing $100 million. Uh, well, there's an article out there right now that's going back to his 30th birthday party. And it, it kind of revealed, a, you know, turn back and tear back the curtain a little bit of where some of this money oh, might have went. What kind of party check is this? this? Out, check this party out and uh, tell me we're not going to do this one day. So Peterson made a list of about 320 friends he was going to invite. He sent out invitations with an embossed signature logo. He brought his guests first class plane tickets to Houston and booked them first class hotel rooms. This is from Sports Illustrated, by the way. They found a lemur uh, available for rent and a python that would drape like a scarf over Peterson's shoulders. They imported the troop of snake charmers, uh, I guess a group of snake charmers called the troop, out of Dallas and world-renowned belly dancers from New York. Uh, there was an elaborate tent city in Peterson's backyard, Moroccan couches, velvet drapes, ice sculptures bearing Peterson's initials, imported trees, and a throne on which Peterson alone would be able to sit. The cake designer baked a royal palace uh, flanked by a fondant camel and elephant. Wale, who's a, who's a rapper, agreed to perform along with Jamie Foxx, who offered his services as a DJ. In the final hour, I'm not, this is the story. I'm, I'm still gone. I feel the, like you're describing a Latin. That's what I was saying. In the, fi- in the final hours before the party, more than 100 workers rushed to set up stripper poles, a hookah bar, and a cigar humidor in a tent called the Man Cave. Uh, the porta potties were also over the top that featured silver sinks with gold shiny floors, uh, a, a, a close friend to Peterson said. Peterson entered by a path from the front door of his house toward the main tent. Another parade formed in front of him and behind him that were, was led by fire breathers, sword swallowers, the snake charmers, belly dancers, and finally a camel that was rented for a night from the Austin Zoo. Uh, by the camel's side, there were three men dressed as humble peasants, their eyes glued to the floor, and atop the camel was one man, Adrian, Peters- Adrian Peterson, wearing a bejeweled Arabian headdress and gold sequin jacket. It was Aladdin. This was half of what went down. Cause I'm going to save time here because it's a long story. This is half of what took part at his party that night. Did anybody um, estimate the dollars? Didn't estimate the dollars, but I don't know, man. You can kind of... To rent a camel from... Let's go to the Jacksonville Zoo and see how much it costs to rent a giraffe. I didn't even know you could rent stuff Can't from Can't imagine. Zoo. You probably can. I'm sure he, he knew somebody. He pulled some strings. Yeah. But you wonder where that money goes. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, you were seriously thinking about just first class, 300 and something people. Yeah. Not, now, maybe some were local. Yeah. But 300 and something people. And then all this other stuff. That is insane. Yeah. And or a 30th birthday party. That is... There's a difference here now when you burn $100 million. And I, I was careful with this story the other day because I didn't want to label him kind of like just being dumb about yeah. it. 
Well, that's dumb about it. Well, right? yeah, that's dumb hey, about your dollars. This you, can't your... Get, you can't get screwed. You can get yeah. bad advice. You can do all this stuff. No, for sure. That is stupidity at its best. It, it, it really is, man. And, and listen, I'm, I'm all for a player showboating and you know, getting money, whatever you want to do, man. But this isn't your super sweet 16, all right? This is your 30th birthday party. You're an adult now. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Nothing cool happens when you turn 30. Sorry to all you 29-year-olds out there. Hate to spoil it for you, but your 30th birthday party, really not that cool. I didn't do anything. Anything. So the fact that you got to bring all this lavish stuff, man, it's just uh, it's a little ridiculous. There's two things opinion. that Adrian Peterson obviously didn't listen to the show in the first six months, seven months Go on. here on ESPN 690. Yeah. Because once I said, uh, one time I said, who cares about birthdays? Yep, good right? call. You did. So Adrian Peterson, you should have thought the same. Who cares about your birthday when <laughs> yeah. you're an adult? Yeah. And number two, the secret to life, or one of them, is to not have a lot of friends. Yes. Well, then you wouldn't have had to fly 320 people first small class circles, man. to Houston or wherever you did that. Yeah, small circles. So you should be listening to the show, Adrian. There we go. It would have saved or them a lot of money years yeah. ago. Yeah, would have saved them a lot. Should have sent him that life yep. advice. Uh, uh, well, I'll be sure to tag him on Twitter, bro. That's I'm sure unbelievable. He's appreciate that. Uh, hey, one other uh, note outside of football, Troy Tulowitzki apparently has just yeah. retired. Uh, fantastic player for the Colorado Rockies, uh, recently with the Yankees. You know, he went downhill fast, uh, but had a really good early part of his career and then kind of uh, injuries and it goes fast sometimes for some players and it, and it did for Tulowitzki um, but he was a super super player for, for quite a while there for the Colorado Rockies especially alright I want to get back to Foles now we started this segment with Foles and Foles from a leadership standpoint everybody talks about it uh, leadership at that position usually means to your offensive linemen, to your receivers, to your running back guys in your room on your side of the football. Well, there's a lot of folks when we've talked to about his days in Philadelphia that it's it's more than just the offense. It's really that entire locker room. And Foles has really done his best to try to get to know a lot of people uh, across that locker room, not just on the offensive side of the football. He talked a little bit about that side of things uh, after practice today. Played together, you know, through the spring, so we understand each other a little bit more. So we're able to, you know, talk about the ins and outs of maybe, you know, route running, what I'm thinking, um, you know, talking to the DBs, what they see. Um, I'm not just talking to the offense guys. I want to see what the defense sees. I want to see, like, what they're thinking based on our splits, what they're seeing based on my footwork, because I feel like we can make each other better um, as a team. Well, there it is. And how much can, you know, what can the off, what can the quarterback do to the defensive players? Yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, how much? I'm not sitting there saying he's going into his reading rooms and being like, "Hey, guys, you guys should uh, here, let me help you out." Yeah, but there is only one player, maybe even in sports, mm-hmm. that can have a trickle down effect on an entire team, and that is the quarterback position. Oh. I, I mean, there, I might be missing, like, but a goalie in hockey is so important. A pitcher in baseball is so important. Sure. But in a locker room, they're really not that important and, individually. No, and don't get it twisted. The, the quarterback is vital to, to a good defense. Because, listen, I, I understand, like, you know, you want you, me as a former player, I want to convey the thought, like, yeah, we always wanted to be out there. We wanted to stop them. We wanted to win the game. Yeah, that's cool. But try playing back in 2010, 2011, when you're going three and out, three and out, Three and out. You just come on the field. Forty yards again. Yeah. So all of a sudden you just come off the field. You yeah. get a little water. You get you know you get the the fan in the back, and all of a sudden it's three and out. And you have to go back out there again. Sure, maybe the first three times that happens, that's okay. But that adds up after a while, and the defense starts to get tired. And all of a sudden the defense, and I I've seen it happen many times, starts looking down the bench a little bit like, hey, can you guys pick it up a little bit on offense and give us a little breather here? It goes hand in hand. And not it's only like, that, man. The most popular question asked in the last ten years around here. Mm-hmm. To a defensive player is, is the offense doing enough? 
Yeah. You know how many times it's, that question has been truth. asked? Yeah, and of course. I mean, it's been a lot yeah. around here. And, and I'm sure the answers are always going to be like, oh, you know, it's our job to go out there and Absolutely. stop them. Absolutely. They, they, try, you, to, yeah, you, they you, try to play it the right way. Yeah, you have to play it the and, right and way. And it's been asked, and we've tried to ask it as nicely as you can ask it yeah. when getting in, in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. But it might be the number one asked question of the last ten years in a locker room after a football game. Yep. And that is... I mean, can you guys only do so much? You exactly. Know, so, so to your point, I get it. I mean, that's why there's respect on that. You want to be able to. And yeah. we saw a little bit of that with Blake Bortles in 17. Mm-hmm. When he started performing, that, that stretch in December, even last year early on against uh, the Patriots and, and I think it was the Jets right after, you know, you could see that. You, know, you could see the defense like, yes, you know, well, you want to do that. Uh, what I'm kind of wondering about is, is can Foles impact the defense even before he steps foot on the field, like in a real game? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, can he can he help these guys well, out here? Uh, can he can he have that domino effect, trickle down effect inside that locker room, mm-hmm. even beyond the offense? So yeah, absolutely. Because we're talking about his leadership qualities. I mean, that that translates to the entire team. And I, I talked about it a little bit with the Florida Gators. I'm going to use this um, this example again, where and I truly think, and I think, uh, you know, when I, like I said before, where when you're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars of 2018, they I feel like they started to have problems when they started losing and it snowballed because they didn't know how to handle the losses. They didn't know how to handle adversity. They were too young, didn't have the leadership to do that. Well, with Foles now, you got a guy at quarterback who has been through some adversity. Number one, his career in general has faced adversity. Whether he started out you know, in Philly, then he goes to uh, St. Louis and Jeff Fisher's system and just doesn't do that well and kind of fizzles out and then goes to Kansas City and was really, I mean, a backup, kind of an afterthought, mm-hmm. uh, makes a giant comeback and kind of redeems himself a little bit. He faces adversity when Carson Wentz goes down and the entire nation is writing the Philadelphia Eagles off, saying, well, Wentz is down, Foles is going to go in, all that team's done. Uh, hence the whole underdog things started to come about. So, listen, you're going to face adversity regardless of who you are. Uh, the Patriots faced it last year against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Jacksonville Jaguars beat, beat them here. Uh, week two, that was. So you're going to face adversity regardless of the team you are, but I think what Foles is really going to bring to the table is that maybe when things aren't going their way so much, um, then he can kind of rally troops together and say, like, hey, I've been here before. We got this. Uh, because when you're winning games, Brent, it's easy. I mean, everyone's on board. You're having fun. Yeah, I mean, you, with all due offense, with no due, all due respect, I should say, uh, you, you can be the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars if you're winning, Brent. You Come can on. Lead you, you can lead them. You can lead them. But I'm saying... Well, I can hand off to Fournette. He better there be you healthy. Go. <laughs> but when you start losing games, though, and people start pointing fingers, that's when you start to lose a team. And I think Foles is going to have that ability to, when they do face adversity, because mark my words, they will. Every mm-hmm. team will do it. Uh, that's where Foles is going to shine. Yeah, and, and listen, in this league, when you only play 16 times, attention builds. Yes. You know, be, yeah. whether it's two losses in a row and don't want to make it three. Uh, the one thing about Foles, and you're right on a lot of those things, but he's never really had the full pressure on him. And what I mean by that, he's never entered a situation where he's this. He's the $88 million guy. He's the guy. You know, even in Philly, when he comes in, there's really no pressure when he comes through in the clutch. You know, there's pressure of the game. But I'm saying, Carson Wentz went down. You said it. Everybody had, had written him off. And then even last year when he did some things, like, well, yeah, he's gonna, is he going to do it again? I mean, there's not really like, bam, all this... There is a lot of pressure on Nick Foles here in Jacksonville True. to elevate them, to well, do things that Bortles couldn't do, yeah. to, you know, to make plays. So I think the importance there is the early going, not necessarily the preseason games. Uh, internally, it's probably out here on the practice field. Mm-hmm. But I think those early games in September, for him to play well and really not just like, 
be awful yeah. is a really important thing the first three, four games of the year. Yeah, well, let's not forget, though, too. I mean, he was experiencing some pressure in Philadelphia though, with Chip Kelly. You know, when Chip Kelly put in that new offense, um, he was the face of that new offense. You know, I think and Mike, he did handle that well. Yeah, Mike Vick got hurt, so uh, he had to step up and everything. 27-2. So, yeah, so he handled himself really well there. Now, unfortunately, Kelly wanted Sam Bradford over yeah. Chip Kelly, and well, the rest is history. But, uh, but, but you know what? I mean, at least for that perspective, he has handled some of that pressure before. All right, a lot of Jags talk today. We dipped into the Gators. We had Mark Richt on as well. When we come back, one more segment in the show, and I want to focus on the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All about Doug Marone coming up next. After all, it is his 55th birthday for sure. today. We're back on ESPN 690, live from Jags headquarters, training camp underway 2019. Are we all, all going to sing, right? Happy birthday or no? no? Should I make a wish? Absolutely. All right, please don't ask me any hard questions. <laughs> I'm on a diet, so. But I appreciate the Yankee Red Sox series begins today again. And they're 11 out. I don't want to mention anything about that. 11 out. 11 games out. Thanks, Doug. I almost walked out of that news conference. I would have walked out, If you wanted out, to mention man. the Red Sox and Yankees series, start talking about my Brewers. I'm, I'm talking. I'm, I'm out of there, man. Flipping the deuces. And don't worry about tough questions, Doug. That's your birthday wish. It's yeah. the soft Jacksonville media. Remember, that's what everybody says. Is that what everybody says? I don't know. Who's saying that? I don't know. Well, then get me in there, Brent. I'll harden you guys I've got up. Real, hey, I'll harden everybody up real quick, man. I'll start asking the real hard hitters. Day one. So that three, four defense. What are we talking that, about here, Mr. Barone? It is one of my favorite things. It's like when you ask, you know, they might say they're now, uh, the Jags are like five and eight last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you guys won't ask any of the questions. Like, okay. okay yeah. what, do you, what do you want to ask? I well, want to bring five, that person and down and, yeah. and be like, you wouldn't ask that question either. No, for or, sure. Or whatever, you know. Well, because you have to remember, like, you see these people every single day. So you have to build some kind of relationship with them. I mean, it's it's a give and take kind of thing. I get that. I understand. Or you just sometimes don't ask those kind of questions in the public setting. True. You know, True, while yeah. there's a press conference going. There's a lot of different variables to it, depending on what it is. But yeah. it can get pretty funny. That's why winning is better. Winning is, winning is, winning, is the, winning cures everything. The man. best part about being in the media sometimes when team loses is when they start blaming you. Let me ask you, know, you this. Like, qu- it, yeah. it's, it's like our fault. Like, what the heck? That I'm not in any team meetings. Uh, l- I'm not designing the plays here. Let me ask you this question from your <laughs> interviews that you've done over the years. Are you more afraid to interview a coach or a player after a really rough loss that wasn't pretty? Um, or are you just not afraid at all anymore? I, I mean, I really, I, afraid's a bad word. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean, want to say afraid, but, like, you know, you're I, just. I still go back and listen to a lot of our stuff sometimes, and. And I, I think we ask sometimes these questions, but in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes, like the the bigger markets, like they just go at them, you know. Oh just, yeah. Like, just go at them. Yep. And so I think that it's perceived like it's a little softer. But at time, like I'll go back and listen. But I really want that. Like that was a question that would have been asked, and people want to ask. Yeah. But but the part I was really getting to, you go back and listen to, and it sounds like you're at a funeral after a loss. I was actually telling Kaylee this last night. It's like it, you feel. She's like, well. What's the locker room like like after they oh, lose and win? Like, What's the big difference? She was asking me all these somber. questions. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I said, yeah. It's, like, it's, not like a, uh, it's not like an Adrian Peterson party after they win, <laughs> but it is, you know, it's definitely more festive. you got music playing and stuff like yeah. that. But after a loss, it seriously, if you go back and look, hey, um, so why couldn't you guys get... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, it really sure. sounds like a funeral. Yeah. Because there's just no energy in the room. It's yeah. flat. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, it, yes. it really gets sucked out of there. So, okay, I, before uh, we can talk about that stuff down the road, sure, sure. Uh, and 
and the coaches are usually professional, so uh, the ones we've had to deal with over yeah. the years. So it's not you never they they know everything's coming. Doug's really good at that, and that's what I want to get into. Doug's got a great feel for all this stuff. Yeah. He he interrupted his own news conference like 14 times today to talk yeah. about how much spit was flying out of his mouth, yeah, whether it was his birthday, Red Sox, Yankees, mm. uh, to tell a story. Like he, this is a guy that came here, had a reputation from Buffalo, and that. Half the team, mm-hmm. half the people, or a lot of people in Buffalo didn't like him. Yeah, He's done an unbelievable job, whether working on his image, changing, having a feel for Jacksonville, all those different things. It could be a variety of them. But I just think he gets it. Uh, but that doesn't alleviate what's to come here. How much pressure is on him in 2019 to win? Uh, there were some people calling for all these guys' jobs last year, even though they just went to the AFC title game two years ago. Mm-hmm. So... What's he got to do this year yeah. to uh, at least please not only the fan base, but also owner shot Khan? First of all, it's going to touch your point a little bit. Yeah, his, his personality, it's different because he is that East Coach mindset. And any football player that's played for an East Coach coach knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's got that East Coach personality, but at the same time, um, he is almost like a little fun-loving as well. You know, I mean, he, he likes to joke around here or there. And as a player, or as a former player now, uh, the thing I respect about most, and he almost does it to a fault, is where he'll take the responsibility and he'll, he'll take the brunt for when a team loses. Yeah. You know, if a player makes a mistake, if a team doesn't perform... He says that starts with me, and not every coach does that now. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. So, uh, especially as the the fire ramps up, yeah, you know, the exactly. tension ramps up. Yeah, but to, to get to your question though, what does he have to do to, I guess, feel safe now, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, after a good season, and me and Stewart kind of talked about this a little bit. Of what's that magic number? You know, what's the number that the Jaguars have to get to where the GM can breathe a little easier, the coaching staff can breathe a little easier, and the the front office really in general can breathe a little easier? And to me, that number is eight. Um, eight wins, eight losses, a 500 season. I think if you reach somewhere in that kind of ballpark, um, I think you're okay. You know what's interesting to me? I kind of feel like it might be more like nine. Really? I really do. Now, yeah. the, the way it all happens is always part of this, so it's hard to just label it. Exactly. You know, it's, if you're like, it's how you're winning, it's how you're losing. Yeah, and yeah. when they come, and when yeah. you streak, and how you're playing at the end of it, so people feel okay about it. But I feel like nine is to be safe. Okay. Now, there'll be a lot of questions around eight. Yeah. be a lot more questions around seven. And it might be see you later around 6 or, or yeah. anything less. So uh, it's going to be fascinating. I want to talk more about Doug Marone tomorrow. We'll stay on a little bit. But uh, off to a good start here at Jags training camp today. Austin Lane, Brett Martineau hanging out at Jags headquarters. Make sure you tune in to Fox 30 and CBS 47 all night. 6.50, I'll be on TV. Jaguars all access from Jags headquarters coming up at 7 o'clock. Thanks for hanging on ESPN 690.